And I, and I tell people, you know, you can talk the talk, but walk the walk. So when I tell people, they're like, hey, they look at me and I speak a little bit of Spanish. I lived abroad for a while. But I, when you tell people, okay, well, I have uh, two paralegals from Colombia. I have an attorney who's been practicing 30 years. We used to be a prosecutor in Miami Dade. She's Cuban. Uh, people are like, wow, you really, you know, you're building a practice in a team to be able to be approachable, be able to be authentic or authentic. So then we can hold the insurance companies accountable. And so it's just awesome. You, you have a gift though. You have a gift with that. You could literally go up and just, you could, you could just walk up to just a freaking wall and just, you could spark up a conversation. You have a gift. I don't have that gift, man. I mean, you're, you're pretty badass. when you're like, in a, when I've been with you at a public setting, you could literally spark up a conversation with freaking anybody. And that's why it's also important that we need a lobby. That's why you, your meetups is cool. People talk shop. But at the end of the day, the reason I'm talking with other lawyers is that there's organizations like FAPIA. There's organizations where plaintiff's attorneys are getting together and say, well, look, we need a lobby too. We need to make sure that we have people in Tallahassee that understand what's it like if your house gets hit by a hurricane. What, you know, and that's the best part. The way we have it here in Florida, which everybody calls the wild, wild west, it's really not as wild, wild west, I think, as people think. I think it's actually a little bit more, I don't want to use the word lenient, because it's not lenient, because it's still tough. But it's a little bit more like relationship building, right? Like I'm talking to the same desk adjusters. I'm talking with the same field adjusters. I'm meeting the same appraisers and same umpires all the time. And the better you get along with these people, the better your awards are. I'm sure you've realized the same thing. But then there's other, There's uh, you go around the different parts of the state. And luckily I've had the opportunity to meet a lot of different public adjusters around the state. And they're just like, no, I want every single penny in my estimate, 100% of my estimate, no matter what. Well, it's interesting because we were talking about the new law change and this whole intent uh, or notice of intent to initiate lit uh, litigation, which is uh, for claims after July 1st and some of them are being litigated, whether that's retroactive. When you file that, uh, and it could be a public adjuster who can do it or an attorney, but essentially before you can file a lawsuit now, you have to give them, in being the carrier, you have to uh, submit your estimate and you have to give an opportunity to pay it. And some carriers, they're going to pay which is good because ideally that means within 10 days the case doesn't even get to me because you submit a real estimate carrier looks at it and says boom we negotiated now you and i both know that some people are going to just be business as usual and they'll say now nah, sue us and then i come in and then you know i do what i need to do but if you come in with like with real numbers there's going to be a lot of things that happen in a good way i think um i had an argument with the desk adjuster not too long ago where she accused me of delaying the claim. I said, I, I told her straight up, I said, you realize that I'm working on a contingency basis, okay, on a percentage of whatever the client gets. So that is two things that I have to do in order for me to get paid. Number one, I have to settle the claim. The sooner I settle the claim, the sooner I get paid. And the more I settle the claim, the more I get paid. So you have to understand that I'm not trying to delay this process whatsoever. On the contrary, you have no interest in this claim. I wanna know who's the desk adjuster, because guess what? I've had cases where there's nine different desk adjusters. And guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to depose all nine of them. And then the carrier's like, we better pay this claim. So you document who you speak with, get a good estimate, keep all the letters from the carrier, prepare a timeline. At that point, then when you do the live investigation with the attorney, say, hey, look, we're about to initiate litigation. Hey, lawyer, can you look at this? Yeah, good to go. And then I'll go out, I'll file a civil running notice. I've already taught my team, I'll file the notice of intent to, you know, do lit uh, litigation. Why would I do that to help the public adjuster? Because I'm the guy who's going to be suing them, right? Here's the notice of intent. Who's going to be doing it? So 
The claims, I, I went to do the storm, the freeze storm over there. We signed a good amount of claims, and man, every single one of them is a headache. Every single one. They're they're bitching at me about two coats instead of uh, one coat instead of two coats. Continuous texture throughout the house. I mean, line items that are worth a hundred dollars, a couple hundred dollars. They're like, we're not going to include it. It's like, well, why don't we just talk about this? They're just like, no, I'm sorry. Unless you could justify your number, every single thing, line item by line item. It's like, come on, give me a break. What's up, advocates, and welcome back to another episode of the Claims Game Podcast. Before I get into our special guest, remember, you can catch all our information on commercialclaimsadvocate.com. You can see where we're going to do our next meetup. You can see when we're going to do our next Zoom course. We've got some really cool ideas and challenges that we're probably going to put on next year. So stay tuned for that. You're going to be, have access to all of our online courses as well. So we got a lot of stuff coming. I hope you're ready for it. Obviously, I want you to subscribe to this YouTube channel so that you can see any and all of our new videos, which come out weekly and sometimes two times a week. So you want to stay up to date with that. Catch us on Instagram, catch us on uh, LinkedIn, and catch us on Facebook. So now let's get into it. My good friend, attorney at law, Jim Jenkins of the Jenkins Law Firm. I've known Jim now for quite a while. He's an attorney here located in the St. Pete, Tampa area, and the guy's just a gem. Uh, I mean, he's just a, 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 a huge... Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He's just got so much stories, really great stories, really great talker, a really great attorney, to be honest. I mean, I have no shame to say that I have, um, he has uh, settled several of my cases, uh, more than just the several, and has done a tremendous job at that. I strongly recommend uh, getting his contact information now, which we're leaving here. You can find him on Facebook. You can find him on Instagram. Um, he's the Jenkins Law Firm. Give him a call whenever you want. He's going to love to talk to you. He's got so many connections here in the Tampa area that he's been gracious enough to connect me with. And I consider him a friend and just an overall fun guy. So you're going to enjoy this because, I mean, the guy's just, he's just a riot. Really great stories, really great talker. You're going to really enjoy this podcast where we talk about everything from claims to marathon running. So you're going to really like this one. So check it out. Claims Game Podcast. Let's do it. Welcome to the Claims Game Podcast with Vince Perry. Get all the tips you need from insurance claim advocates and professionals and grow your public adjusting career to the next level. And now the commercial claims advocate, Vince Perry. All right, all right, all right, we're here. I'm excited. Because normally I interview and have conversations with the people who I really have never met, maybe a couple of conversations here and there uh, by, by social media or whatever. But today we've got somebody on that I consider a friend, a personal friend of mine that I've only known for, I think, the three years that I've been here, three and a half years in Tampa. But he was definitely the first attorney that I met, referred to me by somebody in b and I, I think it was. We had our one-to-one -one at one of my favorite coffee shops, which is uh, The Grind. Shout out to The Grind in West Chase over here, one of my favorite coffee shops in Tampa. And um, the guy's smart. The guy knows what he's doing. And he could talk a great game. And this is going to be a very exciting podcast because I'm with my good friend. Jim Jenkins. What's up, Jim? Hey, man, I appreciate it. And uh, I appreciate you saying all those nice things. Most of them aren't true, but you know what? I'll take it, my friend. They're true. They're true. Are you kidding me, man? I think you're I think you're a great attorney. I mean, we've worked together on a number of cases. Every single one has gone the way that we wanted to go. Uh, of course, it's just because of the fact that we put such a great file together. But uh, that's besides the point. Yeah, you know, knowing knowing your stuff, what's that have to do with practicing law, man? Just knowing knowing what experts to hire, knowing how to go into a courtroom, and you know, that's just all whatever, man. Yeah, yeah. But we, yeah. we have a good, we have a pretty good winning streak. 
We're, we're pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think so. I mean, well, normally the way these claims work, it's like I was just talking to somebody now. I got an email from from an adjuster that I'm working with in North Carolina, big commercial loss. And the association has uh, just prematurely has decided to not proceed with litigation. And I'm like, dude, why are they not? Well, they don't want to incur the cost and stuff like that. I'm like, it's no cost. You know what I'm saying? Like, first of all, how much money did they get? And he's like, well, nothing. They got zero dollars. I'm like, so even if they settle for a dollar, that's still a dollar more than what they got on the front end. Like, there's nothing to lose by taking the case and taking it to litigation and letting them just hammer it out there. Because, I mean, come on, Jim, how many times has one of your claims gone to court? Like actual like I mean, like jury court? Um, well, I was supposed to have one in Bay County and we are all geared up to go. I brought my team up from Miami and I called the carrier and I literally said, I'm about to get on a private jet and fly up there. If I don't settle, this case doesn't settle today. Um, and it was two years of litigation, but the carrier magically found six figures for my client, not my fees, my fees and costs were separate, but magically upon saying, Hey, let's go to the courtroom and, uh, talk to six people and ask them, well, do they like insurance companies or, uh, are they maybe sympathetic to the fact that the house used to be here? And now the house is missing. What's going to play out in court. So have I going to trial, tried a lot of cases, but these first party claims, mm, not yet it's about seven years. Six, seven years. I mean, six, you seven years. Yeah, you got to be able to do it. But if they're going to flinch, I mean, and a lot of that's just knowing knowing your stuff and being able to say, look, not a stranger to the courtroom. That being said, I was like, if we get if we get up there and we talk to people and it doesn't even have to be in Bay County, I mean, that's a cat five hurricane. But even if it's like a water mitigation case in South Florida or something in the Tampa Bay area where we're you know broadcasting from, it's just knowing your stuff and saying, look, what's going to happen? So um you know, not have gone to trial. The main thing is if you build the case up right, you want to make sure you cross all your T's and dot your I's and, you know, not losing the case on a technicality, then you're usually pretty solid. Yeah. But also, you have, to, but you also have to have reasonable numbers and know, have people who know what you're talking about. So, you know, if you're giving me a $5,000 estimate, a $5,000 quote for a doorknob and $10,000 for, a, you know, a toilet seat, then guess what? That case is probably going to go to trial. So don't have those kind of estimates. Well, it's an epidemic. I mean, it is what it is. It's just, I think it's an epidemic that's just been going on in the industry for a long time, you know, just write up whatever. And then, you know, just settle it. Don't worry about it. But like, you know, I mean, now with obviously some of the new laws that pass for you guys, I mean, you can't, you can't just do that. You can't now just throw a bunch of shit against the wall and whatever, whatever we settle for fine. Because if you're settling for less than 50% of your estimate, I know that affects your, the attorney fees and cost statutes, but you shouldn't be doing that anyway. You know, if we're going to actually get the respect that we deserve, especially the good public adjusters out there, I truly believe that we need to just write up an estimate of what it actually costs to do the repairs. Sure. Should we have a little bit of wiggle room to negotiate? Absolutely. Especially here in Florida. In Texas, let me tell you, it's a lot harder. But in Florida, I will tell you, it's just sort of, you know, what they do is they, the adjusters and a lot of people who are listening outside of Florida is going to be like, oh, I'm so jealous. But what they'll do is they'll call me and they'll just say, hey, what do you want? What do you want? You got a hundred thousand dollar estimate, Vince. What do you want? And I know it's not that much different when it gets to you guys as well. But the point is, is I'm not going to be settling my estimates if I know that I'm writing a good estimate and I'm writing what it's actually going to cost to do the repairs. Sure, like I was saying, I might have a little bit of wiggle room to negotiate, but don't expect me to go down to fifty percent of my estimate or sixty percent of my estimate. You know what I'm saying? Like I can't, I can't be doing that because the homeowner actually needs this money to do the repairs. You're offering a measly couple thousand dollars. I'm at like a hundred thousand dollars. Don't think that just because you offered or paid 
paid an undisputed of $5,000 that by doubling your undisputed, it's okay now. And we could just walk away from this. Like, no, that's still doubling your undisputed at five to $10,000. You're still $90,000 away from my estimate. Do I have some room? Sure. But not that much room. Right. Well, it's interesting because we were talking about the new law change and this whole intent, uh, or notice of intent to initiate lit uh, litigation, which was uh, for claims after July 1st and some of them being litigated, whether that's retroactive. When you file that, uh, and it can be a public adjuster who can do it or an attorney, but essentially before you can file a lawsuit now, you have to give them, in being the carrier, you have to uh, submit your estimate and you have to give an opportunity to pay it. And some carriers, they're going to pay which is good because ideally that means within 10 days, the case doesn't even get to me because you submit a real estimate, carrier looks at it and says, boom, we negotiated. Now, you and I both know that some people are going to just be business as usual and they'll say, nah, sue us. And then I come in and then, you know, I do what I need to do. But if you come in with like, with real numbers, there's going to be a lot of things that happen in a good way, I think. Um, and it's interesting, you know, you have some adjusters call you and say, hey, what do you want? I'd be lying if I didn't have, uh, you know, some friends on the other side of the sandbox that call me pre-litigation, some in-house adjusters and say, hey, before you sue us, what do you want? So, again, it's also building relationships and having credibility on the other side. For them, it's going to cost them more to pay me after a lawsuit than if I call and say, look, here's where you goofed up. Here's the real number. Here's the amount in dispute. Here's the indemnity. I'll take X, Y, Z. Because if not, and we get to court, and then I have to start paying guys like Vince Perry, and I got to start paying engineers, it's going to cost the carrier a lot more. And right, especially right. if we go to trial, and then I ask the judge to take all that into consideration and then multiply it. And that's been happening in some places. So, you know, for the carrier, I think it works easier to say, look, here's what we have. Here's a real number. And the, the other side knows, just like we know who wants to play nice and who's going to play naughty. The other side knows, hey, what PAs are they gunning for? What law firms are they I'm not, not saying gunning for, but who's on their radar for basically messing it up for everyone. So again, and that, and ideally we are supposed to hold each other accountable. Us holding the insurance companies accountable for doing the right thing by the policyholder and the insurance companies to hold people accountable for not committing fraud. So that's the, if you understand the system, you go in and you say, look, you got me on this one, but I got you on that one. What's, what are we going to do? And Vince, you've done a really good job of that. That's why people call you to settle because yeah, you can't double your undisputed $5,000 payment, but if you're at 100 and they're putting 85 on the table, you'll have a conversation with your client, right? Exactly. No, that's, 100%. That's I always tell people, I said, look, let's have a conversation. I'd rather have it wearing a t-shirt and hanging out with on a Friday on a podcast, but if I have to put a suit on and fly to Panama City, we can have it in front of a jury, but you know, come on, life's short. What do you mean by multiply it when you said you're a go to trial judge and then it's whatever if they pay and then multiply so, it? There, there's, a, there's, a, there's a case called Roe, which basically means that let's say my fees and costs are $50,000. We go to trial, jury comes back, rules in the client's favor and says, hey, you missed the boat by $100,000. I can submit in a fee hearing my list of how much time I put in, who I've paid for experts and say, judge, I have $50,000, but to drive it home to the insurance company, I'm asking you to multiply it by 2.5. Because the attorney fee statute says that we're entitled to reasonable attorney fees. It doesn't say specifically that you're, you know, bill your paralegal at $80 an hour and you bill at 500 or 450 or whatever. You're entitled to reasonable attorney fees. So I can go to the judge and say, well, look, had the carrier paid this and not made my client incur the cost of uh, an appraiser, or now we're in bad faith litigation and my client had to incur the cost of an engineer. So how are we going to make sure they don't do it again? 
judge my fees and costs are 50, but if you want to give me 100, 110, that's within their discretion. That's one of the, that and the potential for bad faith is some of the leverage that we hold against the carrier to basically say, look, settle this thing before we go to trial. Because if we go to trial and we prevail, not only are we going to ask for our fees and costs, which could possibly be a lot more than the indemnity, but then we're going to initiate a bad faith lawsuit. And bad faith lawsuits, practically speaking, you're talking about damages of, well, hey, these guys are a real pain in the ass. What's that worth? And But more importantly, bad faith means instead of being focused on, I got to talk about this specific policyholder, this specific claim, these specific facts, this specific de- desk adjuster, bad faith means I can say, hey, carrier, how many claims did you deny in 2020 during the middle of a pandemic? And I want to talk, and it's interesting because when we take the deposition of these corporate representatives, the first thing that the carriers do is they'll file what's called a motion for protective order saying, you can talk to them, but you can't talk to them about how many hurricane claims. You can't talk about, is this your normal business practice? You can't ask those kind of questions. And I already know the answer to those questions. The answers to the questions are, you do this day in and day out, don't you, right? Because you're going to make more money when most people who don't know what a public adjuster is and they don't know about an attorney fee statute get that little letter and say, well... I guess uh, it's under deductible, um, so whatever, and they're going to go away. And it's all numbers, man. It works like a casino. Every time you go into casinos and you see someone getting paid big on blackjack and there's a big whoop, 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 it's because they got 99 other people putting money into the slot machines. And that's called claims and underwriting. So as long as the underwriting outweighs the claims, they're going to win. The house always wins. So you I always – I, you know, I always – I always talk about that. Uh, people don't realize that at the end of every year, there's like an audit and there's an audit to see how many claim payments were made out to how many premiums they received at the end of the year. And they have to keep that at a certain level so they could continue to do business. And the second it starts to get a little bit close, guess what starts happening? Denials, delays, or underpayment, all that. Flip side of that is, and this concept's crazy. It's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to blow your mind, Vince. You ready? I'm about to drop some, I'm about to drop some knowledge. I'm it's ready. Everyone's nine. Insurance companies have their own insurance. Reinsurance. Right. And they have to use that money. So when I settle, and I'm not going to name specific names, but I could settle a certain carrier with a certain red elephant logo, and then that's not who's writing me the check. It's coming from somewhere else. So that's it. It's like different layers because they know that they're going to get sued. Why would an insurance company have to have insurance? Now, not all of them have that. Some insurance companies are going insolvent. There are certain companies that are, you know, they don't have enough funding. And so it's interesting that there's a lot of there's a lot of carriers and a lot of and a lot of people I encounter. And I always hear, well, it's all these lawsuits that are causing carriers to go insolvent and rates to go up. And I said, well, if you paid out the claim, then you wouldn't be writing me a check to help me open up a wine restaurant in St. Pete or you wouldn't be able to. You know, there's guys. Come on. So it's I don't know. There's people in our industry that in. The issue is people, there are people in our industry that either don't know what they're doing or they're not putting the time into their cases or they're not, they're, they're, they don't, they're not doing what they need to by the policyholder, but policyholders don't know. I mean, you know how many times I've had someone ask my client in a deposition, when's the last time you climbed on your roof? In fact, I'm going to trial. I have a hometown trial where they're, the carrier is saying that, well, there's foot traffic to the roof and we're going to deny it. Mechanical said, damage. Yeah. All right. And I'm going to sit there and say, well, did my, uh, did my 70 year old client get her walker and go up on the roof and do that? No. I mean, if that's what you want to tell the jury, I'm going to sit here all day. And by the time I get up there and say, Hey, 
you know, I'm going to pick six people on the jury that have walkers. How many of you guys climb on your roof? What a stupid question. But what's interesting about that is they said, well, someone might have damaged this. And so you're telling me that someone might have damaged my client's roof without their permission. I'm pretty sure that's covered under the policy. There's some fancy words and they're like vandalism or something like that. But you know what? I'm just, I'm just a lawyer. But you tell that to the jury and then all of a sudden you show them the part of the policy that says that's covered and that you paid zero. Well, judge, that's not cool. That's not really cool that my client is being, because my client can't get on her walker to inspect her roof every year. I mean, hell, I don't know. Then she's been on more roofs than I've been on, but I do this for a living. And I still have never been on my roof here at my house on broadcasting front. Of course not. Of course not. When the carrier says, when the carrier tells a policyholder that, oh, well, uh, when you get this policy with us, we're going to take your money and then we're going to subjectively raise your rates and you better climb on your roof every other day and, and uh, look for those shingles. Uh, and you better be able to take one shingle off and not affect the shingles around it because it's a three-tab roof. And, you know, the, the policyholders will look at you and then they look at me and they said, well, you know, what's interesting is that um, when my insurance agent told me that policy, they said they just got, I just had to have a mortgage and they're, they're just going to take my money. Right. All of a sudden, now that you deny my claim, there's all this stuff that I'm supposed to know about. Yeah, I don't I don't think that's going to fly with most homeowners. and I don't think it's going to fly with most judges. I think it's funny, man. I haven't actually brought up that term reinsurance in a long time. And I don't even think I've done a video about it. I don't think, man, because after Irma, I remember talking about it a lot. Irma hit September. And then all of a sudden, I think it was like come December, January, February. It was like little talking around. It's like, hey, guess what? Reinsurance just kicked in reinsurance kicked in. So that means all of a sudden it was just so weird how it went from like delay, 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 delay to making an offer, making an offer, offer to settle, offer to settle, offer to settle, offer to settle. And we're like, what's going on? And we were just like, I don't know, we we're probably just, you know, just guessing or whatever. But we're like, yeah, I bet your reinsurance kicked in. And that's yeah, why all the payments are coming out now. Yeah. And I always, I always tell people, maybe it's because I was a history major and you know, I see all your degrees behind you and the wall there. And so, you know, I know you've got, you've got some knowledge, you got some knowledge as well, but I always tell people, look, it's a war of attrition. It's cold war politics. I got nukes. You got nukes. What are we going to do? We're going to blow each other up here. We're going to work this out. So what's interesting about that concept with reinsurance and is that I had a certain carrier that called us and they said, Hey, um, we're going to put a couple million aside. Um, we're going to take out 44 of your lawsuits and we're going to do a global settlement conference. Now that was good. I've heard, I said, I've heard that, about these. Yeah. And we're starting to get some of those. And I can tell you that if you're a real jerk plaintiff lawyer, they don't call to do that. But we were able to, you know, I had 44 very, very happy public adjusters and 44 very, very happy policyholders to say, well, hey, your stuff is all done. And what we did, we said, look, we're going to stipulate to XYZ and attorney fees per case. And we're very reasonable because if we weren't reasonable, then they wouldn't be doing that. So if I'm a public adjuster, and all of a sudden, seven of my cases close on the same day means your clients are happy. And guess what? When your clients are happy, they're going to tell all their neighbors and friends, hey, you know what? If something happens to your house, this is the guy to call. And that's the kind of marketing that you've been working on. And what I've been doing, it's just good old fashioned grassroots, not have to put a billboard up there. Just do stuff like this. Talk to people. Don't be a jerk. And then the business is going to come because you're good at what you do. Because guess what? If you're really bad at what you do, your client's not going to go eventually tell one neighbor. They're going to tell 10 neighbors in the form of negative social media, uh, negative Google reviews and stuff. So just be good at what you do. And if you're not sure if you're good at what you're doing, call a guy like Vince and Vince will teach you how to do what you need to do. So yeah, I, mean, I think it's pretty simple, you know, thanks for the plug. I'll pay you later. Um, you know, I think it's, it's funny. It's uh, 
every every adjuster, every public adjuster sort of has a different way of doing it. But I do notice that there is definitely a way uh, for us here in Florida uh, where, you know, at least for me, for me, I'm definitely the type where I like to make love, not war. Do I push the insurance company? A hundred percent. Do I put them on time clocks every single time? But if they reach out to me and they say, I like, I love the, I had an adjuster one time, they called me just like, Vince, did you really have to file that complaint? And I was like laughing. I'm like, dude, well, if you would respond to my emails, I wouldn't file a complaint. Like all we have to do, we're trying to work this out, right? He's like, yeah, but man, come on. Anyway, the conversation actually got much worse after that. But you know, you got to do what you got to do. But at the same time, you also try to have to understand that they're human beings that you're dealing with on the other side. They're normal people. They're defending the people that they have to defend. We're defending the people that we have to defend. Frankly, we're just putting together two different estimates and that's what they are, right? They're just an estimate on what it's supposed to cost to do the repairs. So you have to try to go back and forth and figure it out. But not every public adjuster is like that. There's a lot of public adjusters out there that they will fight tooth and nail for every single penny. Now, I don't blame them either. You know, it, it, it ranges from state to state. Uh, it's just sort of the, the Florida, the way we have it here in Florida, which everybody calls the wild, wild west. It's really not as wild, wild west, I think, as people think. I think it's actually a little bit more... I don't want to use the word lenient because it's not lenient because it's still tough, but it's a little bit more like relationship building, right? Like I'm talking to the same desk adjusters. I'm talking with the same field adjusters. I'm meeting the same appraisers and same umpires all the time. And the better you get along with these people, the better your awards are. I'm sure you've realized the same thing, but then there's other, there's uh, you go around to different parts of the state. And luckily I've had the opportunity to meet a lot of different public adjusters around the state. And they're just like, no, I want every single penny in my estimate, 100% of my estimate, no matter what. If not, we fight in litigation. We fight it after that and we fight, fight, fight. And I'm just like, ah, maybe it's just not my personality. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm far, I'm, I'm far reaching it on being a Florida thing. And maybe it is just more my personality, but man, I just, I don't need that stress in my life. I got enough stress. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is that I uh, went to dinner last night with two experts that I've uh, used and you know of as well. And one of them I met when he was representing a certain carrier and I was doing a job site inspection. And I realized this guy's writing a good estimate. This guy can, you know, and he, he's going to do the right thing. And sure enough, you know, he gets 90% of what we are asking for, which is more than what my client needed. Uh, and so I invited him to go to a conference and I said, Hey, can I, do you have a conflict with carriers A, B, and C? Because you work for carriers D, E, and F. He's like, no. So I was like, great. I got a guy who testifies for both sides. That's the guy I'm going to put in front of the jury. So they'll be like, wow. When he comes in and says, well, the carrier listened to me all the other times, but this is where they dropped the ball, that case is going to settle. Same thing with engineers. I never hire an engineer that hasn't testified for the other side because I'll sit there and say, well, look, you do this for a living. What caused that damage? Was it wind or was it uh, vermin? Or I don't know what excuse is because the carrier wrote a denial letter and all it said was, here's zero dollars. I feel like the policyholders entitled to more than that, especially when the carrier, I'm not going to, again, name any specific names. But I love doing a deposition and saying, so what engineering firm did you hire to confirm there was no damage to my client's house? We didn't hire one. So you made a determination that my client has paid you money for 15 years who sat through this storm and now has this water stain on their ceiling and they didn't have it beforehand. Now we're in a quarantine in the middle of a pandemic and they're going to school, their kids, and they can see the water stain in the background. And you didn't even have the, you didn't even think about hiring an engineer to go out there. Well, you know what? I got an engineer and he testifies for 15 different carriers and he's going to say that maybe a category four hurricane caused the wind damage. Again, what do I know? All right. I tell people as an attorney, I'm like the guy who brings you your steak dinner or, you know, I'm the waiter. I'm just delivering you the information. You know, who's cooking it up. The PA, the engineer, these are the guys who are making it for you. So, 
And when you're having with dinners with these experts or with these people that work on both sides or that work for the carrier, tell me, tell me yes or no. Do you not talk about those shitty people in the industry, the shitty PAs, the shitty appraisers, the shitty umpires, and the guys that you don't get along yeah. with, and that guy's an asshole, sure and that did, guy's man. a prick. I mean, I mean, your name came up 15 times during conversation. You know, we talk about Uh-oh. the shitty guys. Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah. But all, you do, because I mean, even with the different attorneys, I'll say, who do you work with? And then they start sending me cases. And the biggest compliment I can get is when an insurance carrier starts sending me cases because they're getting screwed by someone else. And I said, look, man, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll be fair and reasonable with you. But we all know, you know, like, for example, this legis- uh, recent legislation on July 1st, uh, trying to that's uh, impacting roofers uh, with solicitation and, and, and also uh, impacting the attorney fee statute for now as a sliding scale versus $1 more, you're entitled to your fees and costs. I didn't screw it up. Vince, you didn't screw it up. A buddy of mine, I'm not going to name his name, but he, you know, he's pretty high up in Florida politics and, you know, he, he has pretty intimate information and he's from the Pinellas area. And, you know, I, I call him up. I've known him from when I was a prosecutor. And that's really funny too, is I tell people, listen, man, I used to put people in prison beyond a reasonable doubt. You don't think we can't argue more likely than not. There's a water stain from a windstorm. Come on, man. But okay. I, you know, I talked to him and I said, what are you doing up in Tallahassee? Don't you, I have a living. I tried to, you know, I have, I have, I have people on my, um, on my, on my table, the law firm, I got things going on. And he was like, Jim, you didn't do that. But there are some certain people, uh, one or two firms out of South Florida and some firms, other places that are, uh, they're abusing the system. Now, carriers abuse the system as well, but this is where it comes into being like professional. So, yeah, we talk about that. We also talk about the certain carriers that give us job, you know, get job security. I don't care they change the attorney fee statute. I know even with this you know, new notice of intent to initiate legis- uh, litigation, I'm not going to name particular names, but I know there's a couple of carriers that are just going to say, OK, that just means we bought 10 more days. Sue us. We're not paying the claim because they don't. And, you know, too, because you know who writes you the checks. You, you see the ones that come through. And so I, it's interesting. I can usually name on my, on, you know, one hand, 80% of my lawsuits are probably against five or six different carriers. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that other people don't do stuff, but we, we all, if you're in the industry and you, and you, you, you know, you do this job for a day or two, you'll quickly figure out when you get a claim, who's going to pay and who's not going to, and who's not going to pay. So, I mean, um, Jim, tell me a little bit more about the intent to litigate, the intent to sue, uh, as if you were speaking to a new public adjuster so that they could sort of figure out, but just for, I can give a quick background. So they did pass some legislation where now before a, a lawsuit is filed, us as the public adjuster, or even you as the attorney, we have to go onto the state website, sort of the same way we would file a CRN, um, which is a, a civil remedy notice. And we'd have to basically inform the insurance company that, Hey, here's our intent to sue in the next 10 days you have 10 days to settle this claim before we sue. So I guess my question to you, since I already sort of answered your own question, my actual uh, um, more in detail yeah. question to you is, right. is uh, for a new public adjuster, how should we, how should we handle that? When should we do that? When should we file the CRN compared to the intent to sue? When should we file a lawsuit or send our final demand or, you know, where, what would be the process to, 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 or the right time to, to, to submit this intent to sue? Well, my theory is very similar to when I was working at the state attorney's office. And before we would file a criminal charge, we would do on on big felonies. The first thing we would do is as the prosecutor, we would sit down with our law enforcement officer. I'd say, bring me the case. Let me look at it because I'm not going to file a criminal charge against someone unless I know I can win it in court. 
So I do the same thing with my public adjusters because in this sense, I'm basically prosecuting the insurance company for being a bad person and or a bad company. And I'm relying on my expert, my law enforcement witnesses, the public adjuster. And instead of using police reports, like I did on criminal cases, I'm using PA estimates. I'm using these different reports you guys work on. So what I would do is this. I'm a public adjuster. I'm building a case because a crime has been committed. That is, so it's theft. The insurance company took money and now they're not paying it back. You know, it's interesting is that concept can land you in prison. But apparently that's every day for some of these carriers. So if you're going to prosecute this case as the officer and you're going to try to get the plea out before everybody gets to court, you better do a couple of things. And one of them is you better document everything like you were going to submit it and your life depended on it. Just like then some of your cases, you say, okay, I called the desk adjuster on this date. Here's the email. I then followed up one week, one week later. Hey, are you going to answer this? Because you know what? There's a reason the law has timelines. You, I, the law has timelines for them to respond. Because if you don't, you know, keep poking the bear, they're never gonna, they're never gonna respond to you. And then you're gonna have a policyholder who's gonna be sitting there and saying, "Well, public adjuster, what, what? You've been on my claim for a year. What's going on?" So, once you poke the bear a couple times, and once those 90 days, if, if you haven't had a claims determination, or once those 90 days are go up. That's when you know, okay, we're going to initiate, we're going to initiate litigation at this point. So at that point, if I'm the public adjuster, don't give them any more time because the way insurance companies work is deny, delay, defend. I'm the defend part, right? That's when they got to defend against me coming at them. So you get a you get a claims determination letter. Hey, this claim is denied. Call the attorney. And I tell and I tell public adjusters, I do this. I have a lot of friends who do this area of law. We all work together. Build a network of people, uh, you know, because you don't ever want to be in deposition and say, oh, I work 100% with this one guy. You can say, look, I work with four or five different attorneys in the, in, the, in the area. What I would do is team up with someone and say, hey, guys, just like you'll call me sometimes and say, hey, Jim, look, this is what I got going on. What should I do? So if I'm the public adjuster, you document the shit out of your file with the carrier. I want to know who was the desk adjuster, because guess what? I've had cases where there's nine different desk adjusters. And guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to depose all nine of them. And then the carrier's like, we better pay this claim. So you document who you speak with, get a good estimate, keep all the letters from the carrier, prepare a timeline. At that point, then when you do the live investigation with the attorney, say, hey, look, we're about to initiate litigation. Hey, lawyer, can you look at this? Yeah, good to go. And then I'll go out, I'll file the civil remedy notice. I've already taught my team, I'll file the notice of intent to you know, do lit uh, litigation. And why would I do that to help the public adjuster? Because I'm the guy who's going to be suing them, right? Here's the note of intent. Who's going to be doing it? So that's where I would just say is once the carrier note makes their determination or within 90 days, get on the phone with the attorney. Not every case is the same though. Some, but get on some, get someone you trust you can strategize and spitball and say, hey, how are we going to play this one out? Or, well, it might be going the appraisal route, but then we might have to sue them because I don't think the appraisal is going to go the way we need to. How do we do this to protect not only yourself, to be honest, 100% honest with you, a lot of this is protecting yourself, man. You're, you have a license and I have a license. And if we lose our license, we can't work. But we're not going to be in that position because we protect ourselves and document everything. But what I would make sure is that the policyholder also, because again, if you're a public adjuster, you're getting a percentage of that indemnity check. I hate when people call me and say, what my public adjuster do? I, I don't want to, you know, it sometimes happens. I don't want to pay the 10 or 20%. And then I can show them the file and say, you see all this stuff that, you know, 
PA did, you see all these things that we work on, you wouldn't have a dollar if it wasn't for the public adjuster. So now that there's $80,000 on the table, you shouldn't feel too bad about living up to your end of the bargain. Jim, I got a couple of questions. Um, old question. How do you feel about public adjusters filing a CRN? How do I feel about it? If they know how to file it, then I think it's a good idea. Because here's the deal. I, I have half my cases come in. Uh, the public adjusters already filed the civil remedy notice. And other half, you know, they, they ask me to do it. It, it depends because like if the CRN is able to get you to talk with someone in-house and then you don't, and then you can settle the case, then I don't think there's an issue with that. And one of the reasons why I don't feel like there's an issue with that, because some people will say, well, it's the unlicensed, unauthorized practice of law. I don't have a law degree. I can't file this. Well, if you're pro se, meaning, you know, you're a policyholder can create an account on the, um, on the CFO website. You don't have to be, because it, it's interesting because when you fill the CRN out, it says, who are you? Are you a third party? Are you an attorney? Are you the insured? If they didn't have those three options, if they just said, hey, you got to give me your Florida Bar ID number to log in. So I like that. And, and, all, and again, and that's just a legit answer. I mean, some people, I mean, that may not be a popular opinion, but I'll tell people, like, look, if you, you want help filing it, I'll file it. And the best part is the sunshine law. All this stuff we're talking about is public record. I always tell people, I'm like, I'm not making this shit up. You can go on the CFO website and then you don't even have to have an account. And it says, create a new filing for civil remedy notice. But then there's a little button that says search for filings and you go to search and you can yeah, say, I've done that. Yeah. I've done that. I can type in Jenkins, man. Listen, I love to travel. I'm just like you, Vince. Actually, I'm jealous of you because I told my wife the other day, I said, yeah, I went to Argentina for a week. Vince went to South America for two months or, Hey, I'm supposed to have my first trip to Kenya during, uh, during COVID. Vince has been like three times, <laughs> and I, you know, and I know he's gone because I settle your cases. And I know how you pay for it. So I was sitting here during COVID and I ain't got shit to do except file CRNs. I mean, literally, I'm like, well, and my law partner down in Miami, you know, he's settling the cases. I'm filing all the CRNs. So, I mean, if I don't see one more, if I never see another CRN, I'll be okay. But having done that, I've logged in that website. Hell, I filed two uh, yesterday for someone that you're supposed to be in good hands with, but not on these two cases. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to take a dig. I'm trying to keep it PC, but come on, man. We, if, if you're in the industry, you know. You know, you know who we're talking about, Jim. So, I got, I got, I got to reel you back in every once in a while. You know, I get fired up. <laughs> I get, I get fired up about this, man. It's like, all right, here we go. You know, Jim. Um, what should be? When should the intent to sue be filed in relation to the CRN? I again, I, I, I think there's different answers to that. My strategy is I'm going to do it at the same time. First of all, the links for both of them are on the same webpage. So I don't even like to re, you know, refresh my browser. It's already right there. And all the information's there. So here's the deal. If I'm intending to sue you, I'm also intending to come after you for bad faith if you don't do the right thing. And because there's time, there's for the CRN, they have, the carrier has 60 days to respond. And if they don't respond, there's a presumption of bad faith. And we get into all the legal bullshit about how bad faith is a, if it's a creature of statutes, not common law, yada, yada, bullshit. But basically, here's the deal. They got 60 days to respond to this. Then I got to give them 10 days notice to do the right thing. All right, now I just short my time to 50 days. The clock's ticking because I have a policyholder sitting here can't fix their house. So I would do it the very same time. That's my strategy is say, look, I'm not going to just like, I'm not going to just poke you and then walk over here and then wait and then come back and poke you again. If I'm going to sue you, I'm going to do a left, right punch. Here it is. And I think it also speeds up. It also speeds up uh, getting cases resolved because to be 100% honest with you, and, I, and I, some attorneys have been flipping out. 
They're like, I, we don't know what we're going to do. Uh, what do you mean? We're not entitled to turning key statue. We, uh, we, now there's not going to be work out there. Or you do this. You say, well, if I file a CRN, it gets on someone's desk, and then they call me want to settle. So I've been doing pre-suit lit, uh, settlements just like you guys all the time. So if you're going to show them that you're serious and you know what you're, that you know what you're doing, you file them at both at the same time, you get a legit estimate and say, here's the amount in dispute, pay it. And a lot of them um, do. What about, we mentioned 90 days, uh, Texas is 45 to, to resolve the claim. Uh, in regards to the proof of loss, it specifically states that the coverage decision is to be made within 30 days after providing a proof of loss. It's 30 days here. It's 15 business days in Texas. I only keep bringing up Texas because I'm licensed in Texas. We've got a, quite a few claims out there now. And I'm um, actually I'm waiting for uh, someone up in the uh, Capitol no. building or Supreme Court of Austin to let me know when I get my license because I've applied. So I I'm trying. You, I, I appreciate you educating me on that because you know more about Texas law than I do. And hell, I'm the guy who went to law school. So, so I'm I, trying I, to... I'm trying to fast track these things because I, I would say one of the issues we have at Elite Resolutions is just these fucking things drag out sometimes too long. And frankly, I don't think the insurance company should take fucking 90 days to resolve a claim. Um, I like that 30 day proof of loss. So what I've been doing is I basically and I shout out to Cal Spoon. I learned this from him is we send out a preliminary proof of loss uh, in our LOR and then we send out the estimate and we sort of that's like the completion of the proof of loss. And we count 30 days from there. Um, how do you feel about just like right after that 38th day, let's say the claim has been open for 40 days, going straight into going straight into CRN and intent to sue if they haven't resolved the case by then, if statute does state that they have to resolve it within 30 days after receiving the proof of loss. I'm all about it. I mean, especially on that goal, at least with CRN, because one of the things I've argued in court before is why are there timelines? Timelines are there for a reason. The reason there's timelines in these statutes is because there's people who are smarter than you and me, or maybe they're not so much smarter, but they got elected to go sit in Tallahassee and they're sitting there. They're saying, hey, we got to have some rules of the game in order for this to be fair by the policyholder and fair by the company. Right. Hey, we can't expect uh, the insurance company to make a determination within two weeks. That's not reasonable. They're busy. Whatever. We can give them 90 days and we can't. So we'll give them 90 days. Um, flip side. We can't expect a policyholder to wait three years for someone to twiddle their thumbs and make a payment. So 30 at the law and every, and the thing is every case is different, right? Every, some proof of loss is 30 days. Other people don't require it. So if the proof of law says they have to do it within 30 days and they don't do it within 30 days, boom, that's bad faith in my mind, follow civil remedy notice. Now we can't get the lawsuit. I'd still wait for them to make a determination unless 90 days goes up, but at least let them know, Hey, I'm monitoring this file and also let the policyholder know, this is what I'm doing to help you because at the end of the day, if people could do this on their own, you and I would not have these kind of job. We'd be doing something else. So clearly there's a need. If people could do this on their own, then why did the Florida legislator allow public adjusters to exist? You guys are heavily regulated, but because you're necessary. Someone else realized, hey, the carriers aren't going to do the right thing. Because if they were going to do the right thing, then why don't we even have public adjusters? Why don't we just, why don't we just listen to the IA and say, hey, this is what it's going to be? So, again, I know it's a long answer to your short question of- No, 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 no. That, that was it. Yeah, but, that, but that's it. I mean, that, that's, how, that's how you look at these. But again, the other thing that's really important is have an open line of communication. If you're an attorney- why don't you call your PA at once in a while and say, hey, what's going on here? Or, hey, here's a status on this. Or uh, you and I had a conversation earlier and, you know, wasn't necessarily the best conversation. Not that we're not, you know, friends, but 
You were telling me on a certain case that, hey, look, this is what's going to be going on in this certain appraisal. And having an open line of communication both ways is the best thing you can do for the policyholder. So that way, you know, hey, I'm thinking about filing this POL. They just responded. What should we do? So again, every case, I always tell people, you change one fact, you change the entire analysis. But knowing your stuff and being able to have someone pick up the phone, uh, you even taught me that too. I said, look, Vince called and picking up the phone, right? But you have a team, people, some people don't pick up the phone, man. I know it's like, look, you know, every, and, you know with, with, when it comes to insurance companies, you can't just, you know, swipe left or swipe right. You actually got to pick the phone up. It's like when you go to a bar and you go talk to a girl. Like, so kids nowadays are like, I don't know how to go talk to someone at a bar. I'm like, that's called picking a jury in my book. If you don't know how to go talk to someone at the bar, how in the hell are you going to have respect for someone to sell your claim? Or how, how the hell are you going to have a jury sit there and like, look, they can't talk to me. Common sense, man. That's like, yeah, but you have a gift. You have a gift though. You have a gift with that. You could literally go up and just, you could, you could just walk up to just a freaking wall and just, you could spark up a conversation. You have a gift. I don't have that gift, man. I mean, you're, you're pretty badass. when you're like, in a, when I've been with you at a public setting, you could literally spark up a conversation with freaking anybody. Well, yeah, but then I can also get them to sign my retainer. That's that's a, that's the one part I can set them up, you know, bump set spike, but no, nah, Vince, you're a good wing, man. I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear this shit. I heard you listen to your theme song. I don't have a theme song, right? It's like a baseball. Like what would be, what would be my theme song? If I walk into a courtroom, I don't have one of those, but Vince, you got a theme song, man. For, I mean, I, I don't even remember all the words, but I'm sitting here jamming. I'm like, that's what, that's what you're freaking j- <laughs> That's some swag, man. I saw yeah. you this thing last Friday. You know, you, you literally dropped the mic. Like people were like, Oh, someone's going to drop the mic. That's literally dropped the mic. <laughs> and I'm sitting here like, you know, we're, we're getting this presentation and you, just, you, have cl- you have contractors from all over the state and other lawyers there. Hell, I sponsored another lawyers coming. That's great. But you know what? You're like, hey, do you have a PowerPoint? I'm like, what do you mean a PowerPoint? And you're like, dude, I got like, I mean, you had everything except the petting zoo there. You had the laser light show. You had the music. You had the sliders, the buffalo chicken wings. I mean, your swag was as good as mine. I, I did have sunglasses that says we're not shady, right? I had those. And, but- <laughs> you should have wore them. You should have wore them right now for the podcast. I, I, I should have, man. I, I don't know. I, you're right. I should have, should have wore my own swag. I, you have all my, you know, all my stuff out there, but, the yeah, but now I- you see, but now you've got ultimate swag, Jim. Tell us about your new office that you just opened in Miami Dayland. You gotta be pretty stoked about this. It, it, it it's pretty freaking sweet. Yeah, of like, course it I, is. Like my, I have an office in St. Pete and in all honesty, like I'm sitting on my front porch because during COVID I got more stuff done here. And honestly, I settle more cases when I'm walking up and down the sidewalk down to the bay than when I'm in a courtroom because I can call these attorneys and be like, what are we doing, man? Like, what? that's how that's what's so funny is I hate when people are like, well, my I don't understand what my lawyers talk about or, you know, and, and I'll get these emails are like, well, Mr. Jenkins, please present a formal demand, blah, blah, blah. I'll just call some of these partners and be like, what in the beep are what are you doing, man? Like, are, are you are you serious? Come on. So and then there'll be stuff you can't put in writing. It was like, hey, so uh, I got five thousand dollars, and I'm like, well, what am I? I said, like, what am I going to do with that, bro? What? Like, you expect me to take that to my client? I not. I said, but if you have a number that starts with a two and ends in a zero, and it's five numbers, then we're talking. So right. it's interesting is you got to learn how to, uh, you know, talk to people. So Miami question. This is what happened. <laughs> I talk to people. Um, and what I realized is that even though I'm based in the Tampa area, I handle state, I handle stuff statewide. So as a result of talking with a 
very like my first public adjuster, one of the most, one of the best guys out there. He introduced me to this guy, guy named Derek Hendricks down in uh, Miami. And he said, look, that guy is just like you, you know, everyone in central Florida, you know, all their cousins, their kids' birthdays. This guy did 10 years of carrier work down there. He knows everyone in South Florida. So we start talking. Um, and I was like, Hey man, look, you stayed out of Miami and you covered carriers down there and I'll stay up here. You spend time with your kids. We're not going back and forth, four hours driving, whatever. So he plants the seed that happens. And then all of a sudden 2020 got weird. I don't know what happened, but then we were forced to work remotely. And so the claims started coming in and courts closed and we started settling. And here's what I would tell the carriers. I'm like, look, man, the courts closed because of a worldwide pandemic. Are you going to literally walk into a courtroom when this is done and defend this and think that anyone's going to listen to you? Like judges are going to be super pissed. They're going to be super pissed because they got murder cases and divorce cases. And you're sitting here talking about a breach of contract when you open up coverage. What's going on? So one thing leads to another. You grow the practice from, I don't know, whatever 10 times is. So now it's like, wow, you know, like some people shut down during COVID. We're sitting there. We hired 15 or 14 people. Um, and I even talked to Derek because you know my personality right now. I tell people, I was like, like Derek and I, we're like Peter Pan and the Lost Boys. You know, we'll go in there. We'll fight Cat and Hook. We're, we'll fund all this stuff. I was like, but we need a Wendy. We need someone who, you know, we, we need we, to make the whole team work. You can't just have wide receivers, right? You got to have a quarterback and you have all this stuff. So anyway, Derek's like, well, I got a badass lawyer in Fort Lauderdale who used to be a prosecutor in Miami and her best friend's a badass uh, lawyer in Miami. And she has an office. So I go to check it out. And uh, she, they've both been practicing longer than you and I've been alive. Well, that's not true, but they've been practicing law, law for a while. But one of them worked uh, for citizens for like 10 years. So if anyone knows the game, it's her. Like she yeah. knows how they operate. And the other person, she's Cuban and she's in Miami. And she really said, look, I just want to practice law. And I really like you guys. And I really want to help people. So, hey, I got this office space. It's in Miami, Dayland, right next to the uh, the Empire and the Miami Day, uh, Miami Dayland Mall or whatever the name of the mall is. Um, Dayland. Yeah, Dayland Mall. And I was always talking about trying to get a permanent footprint. And so uh, she's like, well, look, here it is. Got a conference room, five offices. It's right there in the heart of everything. And uh, I'm not going to lie, man. I might, I might actually move to that office. I might be moving to Miami. I know you moved here from Miami. I might be moving down there. But it's, I'm super stoked because – it's a great place to meet people. It's all, especially for our South Florida clients. It's very convenient. Instead of them having to come to Tampa, I can say, look, we have this place right next to the Marriott, right next to, I think you were telling me some restaurant that's right there. Earl's uh, Kitchen. That's where you got to go. It's a great, it's like yeah. right at the corner right there in Dayland. It's just a great happy hour place but, on a Friday. What? But what's awesome is, and I, and, I, and I tell people, you know, you can talk the talk, but walk the walk. So when I tell people, they're like, hey, they look at me and I speak a little bit of Spanish. I lived abroad for a while. But I, when you tell people, okay, well, I have uh, two paralegals from Colombia. I have an attorney who's been practicing 30 years. We used to be a prosecutor in Miami-Dade. She's Cuban. Uh, people are like, wow, you really, you know, you're building a practice and a team to be able to be approachable, be able to be authentic or authentic. So then we can hold the insurance companies accountable. And so it's just awesome. Uh, the attorney in Miami, her name is Abby Cleda, and she's already introduced me to more of people in Miami who say, look, we'll get along, but why not? I mean, there's so many claims there and so many insurance companies. Why not be able to have a presence here? So I'm not going to lie. I mean, my office in St. Pete's okay, but Abby, I, I got lucky, man. You know why? It's because I don't ever shut up and I talk to people and then I find will come work for you. So 
Right oh, now, she's, wanna... there, she's probably in deposition settling cases and going out for mojitos or something right now. I don't even know. But oh, I wanted to bring that. I wanted to bring that up because I want to congratulate you, man. I think that's fantastic. I'm really proud of you. Just you keep growing, you keep getting better, and I love to see that. Well, yeah, it's because guys like you help me out. I mean, honestly, you've introduced me. When I can go in and I know which experts are good, because you know the other side, the carriers know which ones are good. They also know which ones are bad. They know who they know who the guy is. They're like, all right, this guy's a hired gun. He's going to say there was like 80 mile per hour windstorm uh, or 80 miles per hour of wind when we all know it was the sunniest day in Tampa. Because you know what? You can pay experts to anything, man. Hell, you could pay me to argue that the sky is green and the grass is blue. And you'll look at him like, yeah, it sure looks blue in the sky, but that's actually a shade of green. That's bullshit. But you know what? Give me $3,000. I'll put that on paper. Everyone does that. So when you hire the good people, you hire the people that come out to your meetups, you hire the people that sit there and say, look, we're trying to make this better. Then guess what? You're not going to have to wear it. You're not going to Panama City in a suit and sit in trial. You're able to get those cases resolved. So, you know, and I know, I know you three years, but in the past year and a half has been exponentially grown. And it's because guys like you are helping guys like me saying, well, you know what? Yeah, I'm a badass public adjuster, but there's an adjuster over in Daytona that you should probably meet because you handle claims over in Daytona. Yep. And you know what? We're all working together and we all win because we're doing the right thing. Well, you were kind enough. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'm probably going to remind you now, but I mean, you, you came through big time for me when I first did, when we first launched our first consulting course, remember? And I had 10 different people come travel 10 different times to come see me and shadow me for a day. And there was a couple of days, I'll be honest, was just like, shit, I got, I got nothing really planned here. What the hell can I do? And I used to be like, Jim, Jim, I could count on Jim. Jim would meet me and the, the consultee, whoever it was that came, he would meet us for lunch or meet us for coffee. And he would do this thing right here that he's doing right now. And, uh, you know, I, I always want to, I'm forever grateful for that. And I was, uh, I just want to thank you for that too, because that was, uh, that was pretty cool. Every single time, I mean, it was 10 different times you had to go out of your busy day to just meet with us. At least you were meeting a new public adjuster. So, you know, it sort of benefits everybody, but it was really cool because again, it just, uh, it was just a good opportunity for that new upcoming public adjuster to meet somebody of your, of your knowledge and expertise that you could just, you know, train him a little bit while I was trying to do my training as well. So. Well, cool. I just think it's, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm blessed to be in a position where I want to be able to educate people and just tell people how it is, man. I mean, that, that, at the end of the day, people just want you to be real. And you and I can do the jargon and we do the lingo and you go and talk shop and stuff. But at the end of the day, especially with new guys coming in, say, look, not everyone practices law like Derek and I do. Not everyone's going in there. I mean, Derek hasn't cut his hair in like two years and you, he walks around and settles cases wearing Miami Heat jersey. I'm pretty sure he doesn't even own any suits anymore. But he settled his 425th case yesterday in 2021. So, I mean, and I'm telling you about the exponential growth and volume. There's a reason he's getting those cases done. I, I, I still That's settle. That's awesome. Too, but what's neat about that is like going to talk to these guys and say, look, go talk to other attorneys. People have different styles. I think ours is pretty effective. Um, I like the fact that when people call us, they'll say, you guys are not like any other lawyers we know. And I said, that's very interesting because most attorneys, there's a stereotype. They're stuffy. They can't talk to anybody. They're going to speak in, you know, these use, uh, well, I had the case ob initio and then here's the fourth coming. Like they, all this bullshit that at the end of the day, like doesn't matter. If I didn't know my stuff, I wouldn't be sitting on this podcast with you. Right. And so you have to know that stuff, but then, Hey, put that to the side. How is it that we help people? It's like a public adjuster. So that's why you just got to be real with people. In fact, some of my best clients, uh, and I'm not going to name them, it's all public record, but I've actually become really good friends with the uh, clients that you've referred me because like you guys are just real, you know your stuff. 
to the point that when your clients, when Vince sends me a client, then my client says, hey, can I take you and your wife to Burns? They weren't, they're not pissed. I mean, if they were mad at me, they'd be calling me to go to Applebee's. And I Why wasn't go. I invited? Damn it. Oh, yeah, you were. You just didn't pick your phone up, Vince. What? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, I, look, man, move on to the next question. I'm not going to talk about why you weren't invited to Burns. I'll get you there. Damn. I think you owe me a dinner at Burns anyway. Thank you. So maybe, I don't know, maybe it was someone else. Those same, client, those same clients also uh, had Stanley Cup tickets for the Lightning. I forgot to invite you to that as well. Son of a bitch. Listen, man, if the, Rays, if the Rays go to the World Series, I'll get, I'll get you there. I'll, I'll say, look, can we have Vince tag along? He's a nice guy. Come on. I want to tag along. He's better looking than me. You're a better wingman anyway, so he might as well you know, get you out of the house, get you from behind that microphone, come out and hang out with people. But honestly, the reason they like that is because when you go talk to them and they're a policyholder and they have a water backup, all they know is my shit's broken. I got to freaking fix it. They don't care about anything else. I mean, they ask you later, but no. So you learning how to talk to people. Be yeah, but you're, people. people don't really, I'm really socially awkward, man. I know you probably don't realize it, but I'm, I'm really like, eh, I'm just, I, I don't know. That's why the meetups and, and stuff, they, they, they take well, a lot out of me. At that Dave and Buster's, I got some, I got some video on my phone because I showed Kellyanne. I was like, you want to see a man on stage? Look at this guy. So oh, I, would, I, would, I, would, I wouldn't buy it, but if not, then you're doing a pretty damn good job. I mean, it's uh, like, yeah, you know, I, I jokingly told a defense lawyer, I said, look, I'm not the, I'm not the most attractive attorney. I'm not the smartest attorney. But I guarantee you, I'm going to whoop your ass in front of that jury because when I have someone laughing at my jokes and then I'm, you know, you're, you're going to sit there and you're going to ask questions and I'm going to go in there and say, look, uh, who here owns a house? Okay. It's like that little game. That's like that kid's game. of guess who? Or, you know, little, hey, who here owns a house? Cool. Hi, cool. Here, who here owns an insurance company? Oh, you do? Okay, great. Have a good day. All right. That guy's gone. So now that he's gone, um, who here thinks that uh, insurance company should pay after a hurricane? Okay, great. This is going to be fine. This is going to be a great <laughs> Who here? Who here? Uh, who here's ever had a claim with an insurance company? You have? Hey, they pay your claim? They did. Great. Why don't you hang out with us for the next three days in jury trial? And you're going to hear about how they didn't get paid. Like, are you serious? You want right. me to go and have those conversations? And that's before the trial even starts, man. You know, and so then when the defense attorney, I get done with that stuff. And I'll be like, all right, man, it's your turn. Mic drop. Go, what are you going to ask him? Who here believes that, uh, you know, uh, I don't even know. I don't even know what a defense. They would probably ask something about uh, who here thinks that marring, which first of all, most corporate representatives don't know what marring is. It's not defined in any policy, but I've seen denial letters for it. So that's bullshit. So when they come up <laughs> and say, well, who here, uh, who here uh, thinks that uh, marring is something that should preclude us from having to pay up? Nah, man, I, I, I'd like to see it again. I haven't been to trial in six years. I've been to trial in other cases. And I, and I tried a shit ton of cases when I was a prosecutor. So what was really funny is I had some defense lawyer call me. Uh, they're a year out of law school, right? They graduated during COVID. And this defense lawyer calls me and is trying to say some pompous bullshit and says, hey, we were talking about trial and talking about talking to people. And so I had this kid. Well, I mean, he's a year out of law school. He's an adult, technically, because I'm more of a kid, I think, uh, or my wife would say I'm a grown-up child. But I had this kid call me. And he says, um, my client wants me to let you know that we're trying this case. And I said, that's cute. You're not trying shit. You graduated, co you graduated law school on a computer. Have you been in front of a jury? No. Okay. Well, let me tell you how this is going to play out. You go tell your client that they're going to be paying $20,000 extra in defense costs and $30,000 extra in fees because they open up coverage on this roof. Now, I can, I can sparkle that up and put sprinkles on it and use some legal terms, but that's what you're going to go tell them. Oh, and by the way, 
the partner that told you to say that is in my fantasy football league. <laughs> Tell him to text me. The case settled. So I get it. But that's why it's interesting when you go to court. And I, and I, I tell public adjusters, like, look, build yourself a network of good lawyers. Build yourself a network of good public adjusters, right? I mean, shit, Vince, you were covering, uh, you were doing a case for me. It was referred to you another public adjuster, but we need an appraiser. Because there's a state, listen to this shit. I was having a conversation with the, the, the umpire, does uh, some state farm work. And he's also, but again, if you're going to lunch with the umpire and they're hanging out with the judges, that's not a bad thing, right? Those, it, it may not help, but it doesn't hurt. But what was interesting is, and we were talking about the whole new, hey, uh, State Farm invokes appraisal, public adjuster, you have some, you know, you have some, um, you know, you have a fine, you have a financial interest because you have this estimate, so you can't be the appraiser. You're unbiased. You're, uh, you're biased. And I'm surprised that the, you know, when they, when they went up to the Supreme Court, that the other side said, wait a second. Why is it that then State Farm can hire someone who is not unbiased or who is biased, but then the public adjuster can't do their own claim, right? Because every time I talk to, uh, you know, one of these guys from State Farm, they're, they uh, said, oh, you're an IA? Yeah. What do you do for that? Work for State Farm? How many years? 20. Okay. How's that guy able to come do it? But then the PA who investigated the case has known the policyholder from day one can't. So what happens? Now I need to go find an appraiser for another public adjuster. That's why I build a network. Eventually you step in. You know, it's not even your claim, but you're coming in to help people. And that's why I tell these public adjusters. And when I met them, I said, look, at the end of the day, everything I've even said today, someone may have a different opinion, right? People, you ever go to the doctor and you're like, I'm going to get a second opinion. But you know what? If you have the right doctors and you get different perspective, that makes you, that makes you a more well-rounded public adjuster. I wouldn't have all this knowledge if I wasn't spitballing with other lawyers like Linda and Abby down in Miami and Derek down there and my people up here. You don't think that we don't sit around. I call it the war rooms. We've been doing it on Zoom now, not in person. But you don't think that we don't try the case against each other. I play the role of the carrier. I'm like, Derek, you play the role of the policyholder. I'm going to play the role of the carrier. And then we're going to switch. War games, man. That's what this is. Hey, if they attack here, how do I do this? So that's the other thing. That's why you like, That's why I went in court. I know what they're going to argue. War rooms. That is a great idea. That is a great idea. Why don't I do that with my adjusters? I should be doing that with my adjusters. Yeah, you. What I would do? What I what I would do? Like we do mock trials. You guys should do mock appraisals. You yeah. get a PA come oh, in. Just just mock anything. Like I mean, there's just every day. It's another. It's another argument. It's another shit that they're throwing at us that we sort of never seen. I mean, it's pretty. It's pretty impressive. Every single day, it's something new. But man, and mock arguments and mock claims. That's a phenomenal idea. Right. You know what you could do? I mean, you could do where maybe you say once a month, you get like some people together and say, all right, we used to do this in law school. We're going to say, hey, here's the claim. We're going to work it from step one to all the way to trial. I'll come in and show you how it plays out in court. I need someone to play the role of the desk adjuster. I need someone to play the role of the field adjuster. Let's play out the scenarios. Let's see how they're going to do this. That way we can educate ourselves and be better on the other side. Because here's the deal, man. I have a lot of fun. Uh, I know the podcast, hopefully there's not like one of those NC-17 ratings. I've been trying to keep it pretty clean. Um, fuck. You can say fuck. You can say right, well, shit. Hey, you and can like, say whatever you want. Here's the deal. You don't fucking think that as we're doing this right now, there aren't people at UPC, which is right in my backyard, that aren't sitting there doing the same thing. You don't think that the carriers don't talk to each other. You don't think that with this, they, you know, they do talk to each other and then they get a shit ton of money and then they go up and they talk to representatives in Tallahassee and they pass that bullshit legislation. You don't think that first of all, didn't come with a price. Number two, you don't think that people came up with an idea of how do we, you know, how do we make sure that our shareholders make more money? What kind of bullshit is that for insurance? 
If you want to do that, that's like, go get some fucking stocks, but don't do that on my fucking client's behalf when my client's trying to live in this house. The biggest financial purchase most people are going to make in their life is a fucking house or law school. I'm not sure which one costs more right now, but in all <laughs> honesty, well, whatever. My wife does the books. We'll figure it out. It's fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. But no, it's a, it's a house. And insurance, it's not like it's optional. If you have a mortgage, you have to have it. So it's like, just take my money. Like who has the, who has the discretionary income just to put a roof on? We don't. And the banks know that. So the banks say, fuck you, you better get insurance. So the insurance companies know that they can come in here and say, this is guaranteed money. Again, man, claims versus underwriting. Exactly. And here's the worst part. The people that are selling the policies don't know shit. I swear. And, I, and if there's a lawyer out there, if there's a lawyer out there who's willing to help me on this, because I encounter all the time where my, uh, the, the uh, agent, independent, whatever says, oh, you have full coverage. I'm like, um, did they tell you about this $10,000 water cap or this, uh, what? Certain MRP, company? MRP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, uh, yeah, <clears throat> people's trust. Uh, have they told you about this? What, what's in this policy? Dude. Oh, my house get fixed. I'm like, uh-uh. No. So, so when I started this thing, right, I told myself I was going to be, you know, very like politically correct and not say anything. I don't, I don't name any insurance companies. I don't really bash anything. You know, I just sort of basically talk what it is, is what we deal with on a daily basis. But I told myself recently, there's two things that I'm going to start attacking. Number one, I'm going to start attacking one of the, probably a, a big, it's a big referral source for me, but roofing contractors and other contractors, like, why are you guys handling the claim so much? Like you should be going out there, finding new work, getting your sales guys out there, doing the actual job, what you're supposed to do. Let a public adjuster handle the claim from A to Z, because what I end up getting from a lot of roofing contractors, and I love you guys that refer me, obviously, but a lot of the claims that I get are denials or like just severe underpayments, duties after the loss weren't followed, documentation was not gathered, and I'm sort of left with a pile of shit that I have to turn around. But that's another one. The other one that I want to start calling guys out on is fucking agents, man. It is driving me crazy. It is driving me up the wall when I got to go to my mom's house just last week. And she's like, hey, Vince, take a look at my policy. $9,000 coverage A dwelling limit on a four-bedroom condo. $9,000 policy limit. She had no idea. You know, I had a claim that I was about to file, that I was thinking about filing. I looked at my policy. I didn't even know on my own house. 10K water damage limit that was slot, that was slid in there without even me knowing. You know, right. well, there's zero communication. And then I've just bought two new houses. I bought a house a, a, a three years ago. I bought this house. And it's just crazy when the insurance uh, uh, agent sends you the, the options. It's just like name of the insurance company, co uh, policy limits, and your deductible. And this is your premium. Like, that's all it says. It says nothing no. else. You know nothing else about your policy until you actually get it. And you got to sign it. It's bad enough that it's already a contract of adhesion where it's a one-way-sided contract that we have to sign. We have no choice but to sign. It's bad enough. But when they don't even show you what's in the freaking contract and you still have to sign, it just, it just boggles my mind. And the agents, like, they don't, even, they don't even know what a policy looks like. They just know how to write these things, give you the options, send you the email, and then they're done. Dude, look at you. Contract of adhesion. I'm fucking okay. impressed, man. You know, I, 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 I always knew you had it in there, but you know what the best part is about that with the, with the agents. And again, if there's an attorney out there who can help sue these insurance, uh, these sales guys yes. for errors and omissions, there'd be a shit ton of money. Because, shit, shit ton. As, you know, I had someone tell me like, well, uh, I was buying residential property and casualty insurance. And I was told by my agent, well, if you want to save $200, you know, get this policy that states you aren't allowed to hire a public adjuster. Policies. <sighs> there are policies that say that. And I'm thinking, and I'm like, why would you sign that? Well, because they said they're gonna they're not gonna help my claim. I'm like, 
do you think this company is going to pay your claim to begin with? But they don't no. even tell you that that's in the contract a lot of times. They just say, hey, look, we could save you $200 on this policy. And that's it. That's all they tell you because they don't even know what's in it. You know what's nuts is that like, and that's why we need to do more stuff like this. And that's why I encourage people like get a network of attorneys, a network of adjusters, engineers. We all help each other out because people, most people own a house. But people don't know shit about homeowners insurance. You know why? It's not sexy like the, oh, all the billboards. Most of the billboards, we have a shit ton of them in Florida. I've seen them in Texas. I'm pretty sure, you know, out of all the countries that ever existed in the universe, including other planets, that Florida has more lawyer billboards than anybody. You know how many are for first party uh, residential claims? No, you know how many are for car accidents? So the insurance industry does a great job of advertising. I mean, shit, besides the fact that Heritage, uh, uh, was at the lightning? They're they're on the they're on the side and they sponsor that. You know your Geico's, your State Farms, your Allstate's. They all figured it out. People know about car insurance. They know about that. And then even then, they don't know what full coverage is. They know, oh, I gotta I gotta protect my car in case uh, I hit another car. I got twenty thousand dollars in coverage. I'm like, but did you see the part that says that if you have to go to the hospital, they're not paying you shit? So. We need to educate people. We need to sit there and say, just don't go to your insurance agent and say, oh, wow, I'm, I'm going to save 50 bucks every month if I sign this policy. Because guess what? When it comes down to it and a storm comes through, but the problem they is it's- they're, they're, they're not going to pay you. I hope they do. I actually hope that I'm wrong. I'm going to put, I'm going to put this a challenge out to the industry. I hope that I'm wrong and that moving forward after 2021, that we're in a position that they pay every claim. Because I'd be only, right to wash dishes somewhere. But you know what, Fence? I have a feeling you and I are still going to be employed. Jim, but I, think it's, I think it's only like, it's only, I, I don't know, the numbers always vary, they say, but I think it's only like 10% or 15% of claims even get dis, uh, get um, disputed. Uh, I mean, the numbers are on their side. I mean, why? I, they, there's no reason. Uh, I had an argument with the desk adjuster not too long ago where she accused me of delaying the claim. I said, I, I told her straight up, I said, you realize that I'm working on a contingency basis, okay, on a percentage of whatever the client gets. So that is two things that I have to do in order for me to get paid. Number one, I have to settle the claim. The sooner I settle the claim, the sooner I get paid. And the more I settle the claim, the more I get paid. So you have to understand that I'm not trying to delay this process whatsoever. On the contrary, you have no interest in this claim. Zero. You're a desk adjuster. You're getting paid your salary, which I hope is a good one, but I'm not. I'm getting paid on. I don't get paid until this claim gets paid. So it's not in my best interest whatsoever. I said, on the contrary, if you think about it, and I'm trying to educate here in an email, it's actually in your best interest to delay it because he still has to pay a premium every month. And so does every one of your other clients. So the longer you delay, the longer the insurance company is making and they ultimately win at the end, at the end of the day. So don't try to tell me or my client that I'm trying to delay this process because I'm not. You know how many people that are either public adjusters or on the policyholder side um, have a background where they were a former desk adjuster or they did that stuff? I mean, hell, Derek did defense work for 10 years. I worked for State Farm. Linda did defense work for like 20 something years. Abby's done some defense work. I mean, hell, you know, you know why? I know where you're going. You know why everybody's on the other side now? You tell me that's why. You've been asking me questions. I'm going to ask you. Why is it that everyone flips on the other side? I mean, hell, real quick. My wife, my wife did insurance defense. That's how I even got into this. My wife, and, and you've met Kellyanne. She's going to run seven marathons in seven days, seven, days. On seven different continents. She doesn't fuck around. She does think, not take bullshit. But I you, think know you said that too fast. Sorry, I'll say it again. Seven marathons, seven days, seven different continents. All right, go on. So it's a thing. <laughs> it, 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 it's a thing. But here's what happens. 
So she doesn't mess around. She's a badass bitch. She did insurance defense. She didn't like it. She hated it so much. She decided she would rather work with her husband. I mean, she was like, I would rather work with me and listen to me talk like this all day, every day. She was a handful, let me tell you. Versus denying claims on behalf of some of the big boys that we just mentioned. So I tell people that, right, they don't have an interest in it, but if, the, if they took care of their own, then why are so many people coming to the other side? If they, well, I mean, think about it, man. It's all con- common sense. Again, that's what you should, I'm going to, I'm going to start a podcast. I'm just going to be called common sense with Jim Jenkins. We're going to break down some cases and be like, all right, time out. Common sense. What's going on? Yeah. Here? No, the historian guy, uh, Dan something. He's already got a podcast called common sense. He beat you to it. Okay, man. Well then, you know what? I'll go back to the drawing board, but it's, so, but the hard, the hard part with the agents, I have to go back to that again, is this, it's a, it's like, I've, I mean, I think I've had so many public adjusters say, well, well, the agent gave them this contract and they didn't know. And I remember just talking to you and other attorneys, like, what should we do? And it's just like, it's just a game of, Hey, we sent them a letter. Hey, we warned them about the change in the policy and it was their choice to have this policy. And I'm like, but you're talking like Chinese to somebody who doesn't know fucking Chinese. Right. I don't know. Oh, we have this new manage. Oh, the way they sell it, too, because let's face it, they're agents. They're agents for the insurance company. Like they're their agents. They, they're not independent. They are on the insurance company side, people. Well, so else- they more the more they sell, they're more the insurance company makes. So when they sell you the a uh, beautiful, amazing managed repair program where we're going to send you our professional estimates to do all the work for you so that you don't have to go out and find your own experts. And we're going to pay you for that. And you're going to, we're going to put the estimate together. We're going to send our people and you don't have to pay anything except your deductible. It's going to be a lovely process. And you're just going to love the whole thing. That's how the agent sells it. Before, and Of course they buy. Oh, and then on top of that, if you do decide to choose this wonderful managed repair program that we have, that we're going to offer you all of our people to do all of the work, you're going to save this much money on your policy. Now you don't have to pay $500 that you were paying all year last year. I'm not going to name names, but until recently, the largest first party settlement that I'd ever had would involve that little managed repair thing where the client who was a friend of mine and had a public adjuster from South Florida who had an estimate for about 119,000 and was telling him to go somewhere else. And, but she knew me. I said, yeah, I can help you out. So I don't even have a relationship with this PA. Um, but in this scenario, the company sent out a, uh, manager repair roofing contractor who went out to my client's house and made the situation so bad that the roof caved in. The roof hadn't caved in, but as a result of the insurance company's own contractor, the roof caved in. And I have a video of my client's six month old in their crib and you see like nails in the front yard and you see like, it looked like it was bad. And the company said, go fuck yourself. I said, okay, great. We'll see how this plays out. And on the verge of trial, the company filed a uh, what's called a proposal for settlement. We're not going to get into that because that's going away as July 1st. But basically, there's a strategy that the insurance companies, if they offer you a fair amount of money and a jury agrees with a certain percentage, the policyholder could be on the hook for fees and costs. Um, so usually they'll give me $500. I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm going to beat $500. You're just being offensive. Well, on this case, uh, the day, two days before trial, I get a proposal for settlement for $145,000 exclusive of attorney fees. And so the PAS now was 119. Why they do 145? 
Well, it's probably because that's what my client paid for the house when she bought it. So manage repair, like that's, and there's probably some of them that are probably decent contractors, but on that, on that certain situation, there was one where they made the situation worse. And that's why I was going to argue in trial. I'm like, the only reason we're here is because of their people. Like my client, all they did was pay for coverage. And this is where their two-year-old, and here's the video. I was like, when this two-year-old's running around and you can see the sun coming through the uh, ceiling that used to be there. I said, I, I don't, I, again, I don't know what a jury's going to think. I like these facts. You guys might want to settle this case. You know who hates uh, MRPs uh, uh, as much as as the clients or as much as public adjusters? The the independent adjusters, not the ind- but the adjusters that have to continue to deal with the claim after they finally pay it. They continue. You realize that, right? They yeah. have to stay as the middleman between the contractor and the insured. I've had conversations with they're just like, I fucking hate it. I hate it. It's like the claim never goes away. Yeah, I mean, you know. I, there's a lot of things that work out in theory, but then they get abused and then it gets really bad. And for example, manage repair. Ideally, this is great because you're, it's going to be a real number. I'm not going to have to go find my own contractor. You're going to hire somebody and that's the coverage. You're going to put me back in the position to make me whole before this incident occurred. It gets fucked up. Ideally, this statute, the statute. Okay, well, great. Well, if, uh, if we have this notice of intent and we know they're going to sue us and then they give us the estimate, then we'll just pay it early on. Great. In theory, that's great. But listen, man, you and I are real people, right? There's a lot of shit in theory you learn in school and then you get out on the streets like, wow, shit, that didn't play out, right? You know? So again, that's why people need us, me, you, other lawyers, other adjusters can come in here and say, look, I know what it says in writing, but let me tell you how this shit's going to be played out. And legally, the way you, you I describe it is, here's how the carrier is going to manipulate this. And here is the legislative notes behind the statute about what was going on in that room in Tallahassee. What was going on was that there were lobbyists on behalf of the carrier that said, look, instead of spending money on the policyholder, we're going to change these laws. We're going to go make it harder for policyholders to get what they deserve. And that's why it's also important that we need a lobby. That's why your meetups is cool. People talk shop. But at the end of the day, the reason I'm talking with other lawyers is that there's organizations like FAPIA. There's organizations where plaintiff's attorneys are getting together and say, well, look, we need a lobby too. We need to make sure that we have people in Tallahassee that understand what's it like if your house gets hit by a hurricane. What, you know, and that's the best part. My favorite thing about what I'm doing right now is that I have law enforcement officers as clients. I have judges as clients. I have people that will call and they'll say, hey, can you just tell it to me and be real? Because that's the thing. Desk adjusters, they don't go to the house. I was in a deposition with a desk adjuster. I said, hey, how many kids does my client have? Oh, you would know that if you went to the house and you saw the fight. You didn't even go there. You know how many times a field adjuster will tell my client, oh, we're going to pay for this. And all of a sudden, a letter comes here. I love those cases. But what's interesting about that is that the way that insurance companies work, based upon my experience, maybe someone has a different experience, the client, they don't, they don't know you from Adam. They never see what you look like. It's all a numbers game. Vince Perry, you aren't Vince. You are claim number F9-04567 with State Farm. That's who you are. And I'm going to look at it financially. And I'm going to look at this estimate from the field adjuster. And this, I don't make this shit up. I wish I was creative enough to make this shit up. This stuff comes out in deposition where I'll sit there and the field adjuster said, oh yeah, I told the roof was covered. I said there was 27% of that roof was damaged and they can't, and they don't even make those tiles. 
I was like, oh yeah, they're Venezuelan tiles. Like, when's the next time we're going to Venezuela? You're going to fly down to Caracas right now? Bullshit. You're not going to go. You know what's going on in Venezuela? They're going to replace this whole roof, whatever. So the desk of Josh, I'll get all of a sudden this desk of Josh rest. And I said, well, wait a second. What, where, where's that conversation there? Well, what do you, what conversation? I'm like, oh, you, you magically didn't have it because you know what? When they, when they get sued and I call their attorney on the other side, they'll be like, oh, can you uh, send me all your evidence? And I'm like, well, wait a second. The desk adjuster didn't send me that information. Well, I have now, I've got one of our policies is, um, is to send an email uh, to directly to the desk adjuster about everything that was said at the, at the field inspection, especially if something like that helps our case was said that we put it in the email. I mean, that's just going to help you ultimately. Here's the rule of evidence. I forget. Sometimes I'm a lawyer. I try not to be a lawyer, but I can, I can be a lawyer sometimes, but one of the reasons you need a good public adjuster, uh, and as a policy, is that, is that better? Should, should, is that, sorry to interrupt you, but is it, is it equal to you in a case just for me to put notes down in my file that this was said, or is it, is it better if we actually send an email to the desk adjuster about what was said? I, I do both because here's what's going to happen. There are, without giving you an entire course in Florida rules of evidence and the federal rules of evidence, there's this thing called hearsay, right? blah, blah, blah. But there's exceptions to hearsay. And one of the exceptions to hearsay is admission by party opponent. And what that means is, all right, if someone said something on the other side and they're representing the insurance company, I can bring that in, just like if my client says something. So that's an exception along with business records. And there's a whole litany of things in the, in the uh, uh code of evidence. Uh, and again, the, the lawyers, you guys have rules. We have rules at the game. Guess what? There are rules where I, uh, the defense lawyer, in fact, I just had this on my last case. They can file rules and say, well, we know what really happened, but it's going to be prejudicial to us if they hear that the desk adjuster told the field adjuster something. So we're going to move to exclude that testimony. There are so many legal games that are played on these. And that's why you need to know the rules of the game. So I would have, I would, if I were, if I'm a policyholder or if someone calls me and I I refer to these cases, I refer to a lawyer that I know in town that he does. I had cases against him when I was a prosecutor and he calls me on this and I referred him to Vince and I said, Hey, you know, here's what you need to document. And here's how, when I look at a case, I need to prepare this thing. Like we're going to try the case. I have to prove this. So get your public, I said, get the public adjuster out there now. Get good contractors out there now. Document your file because we need to be able to get, prove this case. And it's not the strongest case, but it's oh, that, that was the one on the that was the one in St. Pete right there on the water, right? Yeah. Uh, guys are originally from Miami too. Yeah. Um but so but no, so yeah. hearsay though, like is it hearsay? Is that like a like a isn't it like a 24 to 48 hours or one week? Like it has to be documented like immediately on the day of. No, it, it, no, it doesn't, it, it doesn't matter. For legal terms, it just means an out-of-court statement being used to prove the truth of the matter asserted. What that means is, is that I can't just say the sky is blue. I have to ask my evidence because I'm trying to prove the sky is blue. But so then I got to, you know, it, 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 so again, they, they teach, I think for the first three years of being an attorney, I, I, you know, I jokingly tell people like, I'm not sure what hearsay is. I, I've, I've been doing this for 12 years now, 13, actually 13 years. I figured it out. But early on, there's whole rules about what this plays out. Practically speaking, what it means is this. Just document it because you don't want a guy like me cross-examining and saying, now, Mr. Perry, you were at the residence on July 1st. That's correct. All right, again, we war games, man, war games. So you are out there on July 1st, 2021, correct. You met with my client's uh, adjuster. That's true. Um, at the time you met with him, he made some statements. Yes, but you didn't document that for three weeks later, did you? No. So how do we know 
how do we know that maybe you didn't hear something? How do, do, you, do you remember hearing this? I'm going to have a fucking field day on cross-examination with you if you're like, oh, so now you selectively remember the field adjusters say they're going to pay for the roof, but maybe that's just something you can't really recall because of passage of time. Yeah, try to argue bias because, and, and, and you also have a contract with my, uh, with the Mr. So-and-so. Yes, in fact, you get 20%, right? Yeah, so whenever this jury comes in, you're going to get part of that. So it's all about being prepared and having good witnesses, but that's where I would just document, just document the file out of everything. Just be so, there. So, so document the file or send a follow-up email? Both. Okay. Because the thing with the follow-up email is that they don't like that very much. <laughs> now, here's the deal. I do that with my clients, man. Like my clients will call me and they'll say, hey, you got 50 grand new money? Pull the trigger. I'll say, that's great. I need you to text me. It's okay to do that. I need right. to confirm this in writing. So here's your follow-up email. Dear so-and-so, it was a pleasure hanging out with you today. I really give, don't give two shits about how long you've worked for State Farm or work for this carrier or work for whatever. Um, but please allow this email to confirm and memorialize our conversation wherein you told my client, Mrs. So-and-so, that you were going to pay for this roof. And in an ideal world, they'll write back, yep, <laughs> they yeah. will. But, but if you send it and then we look at it, and again, because business records can come in. So again, email is a out-of-court statement being used to prove the truth of the matter asserted, which is the conversation happened, they, that email is probably not coming into evidence. It's probably not going to be able to put that email in front of the jury. But when I do the deposition of the desk adjuster, I say, did you receive this email? That's your email address, right? Yep. Okay. You never responded, did you? No. Well, don't, don't you have to communicate with the adjuster? Isn't that like one of your duties? Like if there's a Ford administrative code about how to do your fucking job. You didn't do your job. And so then I go to the attorney, like, they didn't do their job, man. Like, they, your job was to help us assist the claim. And the only person who gave a shit about this claim was my public adjuster sitting here. So why is this guy sitting here? Why? Well, he's sitting here taking up money, right? He's a waste of space and he's fucking around with my client. And that's not going to be cool in court. But what do I know? So, yeah, you go. Yeah, tell me to go fuck myself. Come on now. Uh, the shit that we have to deal with. I it's, mean, yeah, it's just, man. It's just, it's just, it's just, and it doesn't happen all the time. They're, they're, again, there, there are a lot of carries and I've got, I've not, I've gotten to know a lot of good guys on the other side and they settle cases with me. I'm not going to name which ones, but there's one carrier that called us and said, Hey, uh, we're doing, we want to knock out 12 claims in one fail swoop because we know you're going to be prepared on it, but you're reasonable. We'll work with you. Another carrier called us uh, and we have about 45 claims at this, uh, with this carrier. They said, well, look, we're going to divide these cases between the daily claims and then the cat claims. And we're going to put the uh, put a pot of gold, pot of gold, pot of money on the cat claims, and then we're going to put a pot of money on here. And because we want to work with it, so what we hear, what you and I see, we're kind of talking about extremes, right? It's like with law enforcement officers, everyone you know, or everyone says, well, you know, all cops are bad. All cops are not bad. You know, how many cop friends I have, I have a lot of cop friends, but the ones that are bad really screwed up for everyone. So everyone thinks this. It's the same in our industry. That's why guys like you, guys like me, we got to go out there, just be real with people and say, look, I know there's some other lawyers out there that when they file these lawsuits, what they're trying to do is say, all right, well, it's a $5,000 water loss, but I need $95,000 in attorney fees and costs. That happened. You know how I know that happened? Because you can Google and read about it. And not only that, you can read the Florida Supreme Court's opinion on it. And then you can go read that law that got passed on July 1st, trying to curtail attorney fees. Because some people abuse the process. And it's not just the policyholders. The media, because the insurance companies have more money, the media makes it sound like if the policyholders and their public adjusters and attorneys abusing the process, but they look over and glance over the fact that 
it's abused on the carrier side as well. In fact, I think you said it uh, the other night. You said it best. Insurance fraud? No, insurer fraud. That's a coin term. That's a Vince Perry. That's a, that's a mic drop. Insurer fraud. It's not always on the insurance. So I think it's funny. You know, I learned that it's not, it's definitely not coined by me, by the way, that was coined by Doug Quinn and the APA. So I'm going to give a shout out to them. Yeah, I mean, um, <laughs> but it's, it's true. Cause I, I remember it blew my mind too. When somebody said, when anybody says insurance fraud, even on our side, what's the first thing we think of? Oh, well, it's always, it's always a consumer. No, 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 no. This goes uh, both ways. And to be honest, probably more the other way. And there's been evidence and there's been 60 minute interviews that I've talked about, about Hurricane Sandy and all the crap that went on there with the engineering reports. We talk to independent adjusters all the time where they're just like, hey, I submitted this and this is what came back. I mean, it's just all kinds of shit, man. You know, and what's interesting, Vince, and again, I was trying to, I knew you probably didn't coin it. I was just trying to give you the benefit of the doubt in front of all these lovely people hanging here. But in reality, Everything we're talking about, we didn't make it up. Now, I, my analogies I use about the casino, I made that I made that one up. Someone else might have made it up. The one about, you know, uh, how public adjusters are the cops and me prosecute insurance companies, I made that up because that's what I do and I take a lot of pride in it. But a lot of this other stuff, it's documented. Deny, delay, the thin, that's a fucking book. I love that's it. A, there's a book out there called, you know, was it uh, um yeah, you know, it's like the, the from punching from safe hands from it's safe hands. Yeah. So I like I like deny, delay, and underpay because it rhymes. Right, and so, but you know, so a lot of this stuff is this. Like, we just do this day in day out that we can educate people. But I said I'm not making this stuff up. But you know, when you handle when you're handling a thousand lawsuits, which is right about where we kind of are right now coming in coming out and so you you handle a thousand lawsuits going from pensacola all the way to key west and at some point it's going to be in texas as well and you start doing this and you start seeing patterns so when my clients ask well how long is my lawsuit going to take and i said if i had a magic crystal ball i would have put a hundred thousand dollars on the bucks winning gronk getting two touchdowns in the super bowl and i wouldn't be practicing law but i like practicing law and i don't have a magic crystal ball but based upon my experience with this carrier this is what they're going to do. They're going to file a PFS at this point. We're going to have, they're going to, they're going to flinch on the verge of trial. Same, you know, different set, change the facts, you change the analysis. Go to another carrier. All right. Well, hey, look, these guys, they're reasonable. I know some of their attorneys. If this is a county court case, meaning less than $30,000, we could probably knock this out in a phone call. That being said, like you mentioned earlier, you're not going to get every penny of that estimate. But a good adjuster will tell you where there is room to get things done. And that's why for the public adjusters out there, get in with good contractors. There are tons of contractors out there. They got guys that are calling me all the time that want us to take their cases and do AOBs. And we say, no, I said, look, I appreciate the business, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to do this because it's going to get sticky. At the end of the day, the policyholder is going to lose out possibly or, not, or, you know, or did you say you said that at the, okay what did you you said aobs what, what that you the something with the contractors you said get with the contractors out there and then you say because there's a lot right you want good you want good contractors in the sense that they're reputable that their numbers are real i mean here's but the, then you said but because there's a lot of contractors out there right there's a lot of contractors who were abusing the AO, abusing the aobs and submitting invoices for work that wasn't done overcharging i mean look Everyone has to make a profit. I understand that. There's OMP for a reason. There's case law out there on it. But at some point, and not calling out any particular area because it's all different. Tile roofs, shingle roofs, we can talk about it all day. 
but I'm just going to use the Tampa Bay area. So if someone writes me an estimate on a shingle roof and they want $2,000 a square, I get it. They're not, it's not going to happen. I don't get it. That doesn't make, that doesn't make any sense. Right now. And I understand that certain companies have like certain overhead or we were talking about this yesterday where certain companies, what they'll do is they're not even roofing companies, they're marketing companies and you hire them and then they turn around and subcontract on roof. So because there's money there, fine, maybe, maybe $2,000 a square on a tile roof, but we know, I mean, maybe you can justify that. The carriers know this, but at the end of the day, if you're a good, if you're a PA and you say, well, look, my estimate is $20,000, but this roof gets done and I get covered at 17.5 all day, every day, that case will settle like that. But you have to have roofers also understand, and I use roofers because that's usually the biggest thing that people think of. Um, I mean, there's water, whether it's water mitigation, plumbers, whatever, but people that can come in and say, look, here's a number, I can defend it and I can stand behind it. Because what you don't want to have happen, and I almost had this happen on a case, you don't want to have someone sit there on a jury and then the contractor comes in and says, this is $500,000. And the members of the jury say, that's bullshit. I, you know, because jury people, people aren't stupid, man. People have real life. They have common sense. And if you go into an area where you say, well, I know what it costs to put my house together and my house is about the same price as that house. And they're asking for triple what I got. That's not going to be good. Now, could things be different? A little bit, but when communicating and having good witnesses and people who know what they're doing makes it so that way I go to the other attorney and say, look, here's how this is going to play out in court. This is why you need to pay this amount of money. So the other thing I would, uh, when I was telling some of your PAs, just have the conversation with the policy or say, do not marry this number. I have a client right now in South Florida that is married to a PA estimate of approximately 75,000. And the PA would say, look, this is a $45,000, right? But here's the deal. But, but, but because, because my client, because she saw this number, she thinks it's like a lotto ticket. I said, they're not going to pay that. So I, but I, they, and they're saying, well, why is it there? I said, well, the insurance company did under deductible. They just did the opposite end of the spectrum. They came in here because if you started, if the estimate was $45,000, the insurance company is going to say, well, that's your top. Now that's your bottom, make it your top and say, now you got to work down from here. So if we got to get to 45, then if they're at 2000 and we're at a hundred, you got to come in higher. So he has a negotiating room, dude, it's like buying a car, man. I said, don't there's sticker price. You're going to, it's yeah, like but, but I will tell you, Jim, it, 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 it they don't play that in, t- in Texas. Yeah, well, good. I'm, I'm looking forward. I'm honestly looking uh, forward. Annoying. No, it's annoying is what it is. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I like, I like working in Texas. I mean, there's a lot of storms out there and I've got a great guy out there, by the way, Aaron, shout out to you. He's uh he's one of my elite adjusters and he's out there uh, in the uh, Dallas Fort Worth area. Um, but it's uh, the claims. I, I went to do the storm, the freeze storm over there. We signed a good amount of claims and man, every single one of them is a headache. Every single one they're they're bitching at me about two coats instead of uh, one coat instead of two coats, continuous texture throughout the house. I mean, line items that are worth a hundred dollars, a couple hundred dollars. They're like, we're not going to include it. And it's like, well, why don't we just talk about this? They're just like, no, I'm sorry. Unless you could justify your number, every single thing, line item by line item. It's like, come on, give me a break. Yeah. Yeah. What's interesting about Texas, um, one of the reasons I applied for bar admission is the free storm. Well, not only that, but um, I was was in the middle of the mediation and the mediator's from, uh, she's from Miami Um, and we're on Zoom and she sends a message because here's the deal. 
the insurance adjusters on one screen, my clients on the other screen, but the lawyers are talking behind the scenes. That's what we do with the mediators. Like if it was in person, we used to all magically go to the kitchen and be like, all right, what's it going to take to get this done? Because my client's married to a number that is not going to really happen. And that a desk adjuster thinks that $3,000 is going to get this piece of shit done. That's why I don't go to DFS mediations. You know what they do? DFS mediations, they bring in $2,500 and then you, you walk out. So it's a waste of time. So Universal's I mean, been good though. Oh, I usually don't call out insurance companies. Yeah, Universal. No, I'm just saying my, they've my, been good. my experience has been, I'm just like, ah, nah, I'm, I'm going to sue them because I need to be able to take them in front of a judge. So interestingly enough, we're, we're doing a virtual breakout room where it's the attorney, um, the mediator, myself, and she sends me a text message. Because, um, you know, just to say, hey, this is what I'm going to tell this guy. And it comes from a 508 number. And I said, hey, I thought you were in Miami and you're a Florida lawyer. She's like, I am. But I live in Austin, Texas. I was like, what? She's like, I married a guy in Texas. And I right before COVID, I would fly to Miami, stay there for two weeks and fly back, uh, back and forth doing mediations. But now I can do everything on Zoom. And so she was the one. And you mentioned the insurance company earlier. So it's the same one. Loves using her. She's really good. But she said, Jim, I have 30 freeze claims. Get your license here. I can refer you to people here and they need help. So that was what that was what I originally started. And then all of a sudden, I didn't realize about, well, Vince is round swinging his dick in Texas. I was always just like, damn. And then I meet some other people. Everyone's in Texas. I'm like, dude, and I love barbecue and I love margaritas. So it makes sense that if I have adjusters tell me to get there and my team of experts and I rely on day in, day out are already there, then listen, man, I want to jump on that party bus. So I don't, yeah. And they don't, they don't have bad faith complaints. They just have normal complaints. They don't really negotiate much. I mean, I've got really no choice. Appraisal process in Texas, I don't like it um, because it's, it's, I'd have to get another person to do the appraisal, which is, that's okay. But also, a lot of the policies, you have to agree on scope uh, initially in order to go to appraisal. So it's like, I got no choice but to go to litigation. So until you get licensed out there. I know. I'm just going to be sitting here on my porch in Florida. But at some point, man, we'll we'll go hang out in San Antonio. I mean, listen, this is, this is completely random, but apparently this is a place right outside San Antonio where for $1,200, you can go drive a tank around and shoot shit. Like it's called these Sherman tanks. And I'm like, it, it, I'm going to send it to you. It's called drivetanks.com. I'm not even being paid by them, but if they hear this, I told my, I told my wife for my 40th birthday, she's like, what do you want to do? You want to go to Columbia? I was like, yeah, that'd be cool. But also to drive one of these 1945 Russian tanks around in the desert of Texas and blow shit up. That sounds kind of fun too. So again, maybe if there's a, and maybe if there's a storm, I can help those guys. I don't know, but you know, we have options. Vince, you and I, we can't get too much trouble together. But if there's tanks involved, we're probably going to have our respective wives say we're not allowed to go do that. That'll be fun. We can do it. Hey, Jim, I want you to I want you to give a shout out to your to your wine restaurant, man. Tell me about that. That this new venture you got going on in St. Pete. Yeah, man. So. Sauvignon. So the name the name of the restaurant is Sauvignon. Uh, We're a wine locker in American Trattoria. Basically, we have one hundred twenty private wine lockers that used for $500 for the year. It's a temperature controlled room. You can buy wine through us uh, around cost. You get invited to special events. Um, you can literally wine and dine clients. I mean, I, you know what? I, I will say this. I got a couple of my defense lawyer buddies. Uh, you know, they want to call and they want to mediate a case. And they're like, hey, can we do it at your restaurant? I said, hell yeah, we can do it at my restaurant. I asked this one guy for a certain insurance company. Um, in fact, I got the text yesterday. It's for a certain company uh, headquartered in Fort Lauderdale. Their counsel's like, Jim, can we... Uh, 
can we go into your restaurant? And I said, yeah, I was actually down in Key West. And I was like, I, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. And then I called my partner and said, I need to send a bottle of Dom Perignon to that table. Whatever. Nice. We're, making friends. We're making friends. We don't even have a case there, but the guys had stuff. So um, we have a sommelier. Uh, his name is Chris Ciarcia. He's a buddy of mine. A couple of years ago. And I've known him. I met him when he was on one side of the bar, that one of the nicest restaurants in St. Pete. And I was on the other side. We've become friends. We're at the point where our families do Christmas together. Uh, we've been to Napa together. The nicest guy. And outside of adjusters, he's one of my biggest referral sources. He refers me for our personal injury practice we have because people forget about that. I'm like, yeah, I still help people in auto accidents and things. Chris just knows people. So we're hanging out one day and there's a spot in downtown St. Pete on the block where Janice Live is. And there's an upstairs balcony. It looks like New Orleans. It's like the New Orleans style. And Chris says, you know, Jim, I've always wanted to start my own restaurant. And he's a young guy too. Chris is like 31 uh, or 32. And he said, I at the old restaurant. He said, I ran everything. I'm the level two sommelier. Um, I hired the kitchen. I, he knows all the ins and outs. And he said, I'm like, all right, I'm listening. And he said, you know, I got a manager. I got a chef. I got me. Uh, my family's giving me a you know, significant amount of money and capital. But to run a business, you know, it may not be a bad idea for me to have a lawyer on the team. You know, someone who can help me review contracts, do some marketing, you know, do whatever, give me an outside perspective outside of wine. So do you want to be a junior partner in this restaurant? And I said, fuck, yeah, I want to be a junior partner <laughs> in this restaurant. I'm not going to be a judge. I'm not going to be governor. Maybe I will be governor. I don't know. But I want to be part of this. So we were rocking and rolling. And, and the way I describe the relationship is that he's like the God, he's like the godfather. I'm the Casino de Ore, right? I know it was getting whacked. I'm in the room. I can't make the full decision, but I'm like, hey man, you may not want to do this, right? So, you know, we're, we get it up and running, uh, or we try to get up and running. Uh, we were supposed to open up April 1st, 2020. Um, our plans got delayed. Again, I don't know what happened last year. But that being said, we hired an all-star crew of people. Uh, two other restaurants shut down. We, 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 there, everyone is on point. I mean, if you go on Google and you just type in Sauvignon St. Pete, you're going to see nothing but reviews by the Tampa Bay Times. Like, like we're, we're for participating. There's this thing called the Battle of the Bay or the Battle of the Chefs. It's going on next week at the Hard Rock, where there's five chefs from Tampa and five chefs from St. Pete, and they're going to battle about who has better food, Tampa or St. Pete. We're we're competing in it. Nice. We are, we, we are asked that we are competing in that. So again, you know, my parents came into town, they're like, and my parents, I want my parents to death, but they're like, oh yeah, well, uh, we thought it was gonna be like a McDonald's or Applebee's or, Applebee's or something. And no offense, McDonald's or Applebee's are great, but I'm like, no, it's like a high end scale restaurant. So it's been really neat because it gives people something to talk about. I've been in negotiations where, we're, you know, some adjusters to give me some bullshit. I'm like, look, time out. You like champagne? I got, I mean, what, what kind of vintage champagne do you like? Let, let's be real here. If we keep fighting over this, we're going to be, that's time that we could be at the bar right now. I mean, what time is it? It's like one fifty. I mean, it opens in two hours, right? So at some point we're going to wrap this up, but hey, we could be at the bar and we could be talking about this. It's a nice restaurant. You get a wine locker. I even told this, uh, I told this uh, defense lawyer, I was like, look, you want to, you want to really, uh, you, you, you want to get all the cases from a certain carrier and you want to be the guy in Tampa that represents them. And you're a buddy of mine. I need you to get these cases. Just don't become a plaintiff's attorney. Don't, com don't compete against me. We have a good one. I need good guys. We need good people on both sides. And that's how, this, that's how insurance is supposed to work. That being said, 
I know he's going to be busy because this particular carrier denies everything, right? Denies everything. It could be on video. Jim Cantori could be sitting in the front yard of the house during a Cat 7 hurricane, and this carrier's going to be like, no evidence of win on the reported data loss. So I said, look, man, I need you there, but uh, it'd be really cool if you buy one of these wine lockers, and then you wine and dine all these guys, and then you call me when you're up there, and I'll just stop in. Hey, guys, just saying hi. Put a name on the face. Maybe see you in trial. <laughs> nah, because you're going to settle, but whatever. That kind of stuff, man. So it's been it's been real cool. Um, but it's just a uh, it, it's a business that allows it just it allows us to hire people. So it's it's awesome to be able to get people jobs, to get to know people, uh, just to be personable. And me talking to people at the bar is practice for me picking a jury. So I gotta I gotta keep my skills fine tuned, Vince. I gotta make sure I don't lose it. I know, I know. And I gotta go visit that damn restaurant. I'm dying to go every time you post something, but you know, the wife is uh the wife is kind of prego, so it's a little bit different. Oh, congrats, okay, congrats about that. You're gonna I haven't even I haven't even like made an announcement yet, but uh, yeah, thanks, man. Thanks. Well, you kind of oops, kind of just yeah. eh, it's fine, it's fine. This we're not gonna post this for a little while anyway. So um what was the other thing that I wanted to tell you? Oh, and are we gonna be running the uh hold on a second? Are we gonna be running the St. Pete Marathon or what? We're gonna do it, man. We're gonna sponsor it. We're gonna my do first it. marathon, full marathon. Over, you know. I kind of let it go. I, you know, I got to, Kellyanne's whooping my ass right now when it comes to running, but I'm, I got to, I got to get back in the game. And, yeah, uh, but she's whooping everybody's asses. I mean, it's, come on. I mean, that's, that's, she's like on a whole other level. Yeah. You know, it's like, it, this is the way we're programmed. And, and, and what's great about her um, is I, I mentioned her because she, I mentioned earlier, she isn't, she is an attorney. And I jokingly tell people, they're like, well, we never see her in court. And I said, listen, man, here's the deal. Derek and I, we're the nice guys, right? We're like stepbrothers, you know, like Will Ferrell and the other guy. Like we're, we're here to have some fun and settle this claim. But if we don't settle this claim, Uh-oh. my wife has to put a suit on because she's supposed to be running 18 miles and she misses training because of this. Someone's going to bleed. She's and I don't want that. And you don't want that. And she's the one who represented the big boys. I mean, she, you know, she, she knows her shit. Right. She's running the practice. I tell everyone, you think Jenkins Law is named after me? No, it's named after Kellyanne. I just started the shit. Because Kellyanne is, she honestly does our books, does some HR. She's behind the scenes. You have, she is the strong, she is the person that allows me to come have fun with you, allows me to go to court. Because I just talk to people. Again, I mentioned earlier, as a trial lawyer, I'm the guy who brings you your steak and drops off your table. But you know who the chef is? Kellyanne Jenkins. Right. So that's how it works out. Um, and actually, actually, how I relate to people in the restaurant. Like, I have the experts in town, uh, and I, I bring everyone there. Hey, next time you have a friend from Miami, be like, hey, you know, there's a guy going over to Savignon. He might throw some Cristal into the mix. Who knows? God, um, I should have gone. And we ended oh, up going to some other oh, place or oh, whatever. You no, know, here's a funny thing. I made a joke with someone, and but I made a joke with this one adjuster. I was like, yeah, man, you're, you're maybe send me a couple more cases uh, or a couple more claims. I might be able to find something in the back. He's like, you have some off menu shit. I'm like, of course I have off menu stuff, man. That's, that's <laughs> part of the shooter. You know, he's like, what do you mean you're not selling this case? One? I'm like, yeah, come on, man. He's like, well, he send me, send me a couple cases. I'll send you a couple cases. Yeah. He's like, we, like, we tell people like, uh, like <laughs> there's this wine called Harlan. Um, it's a, it, it's, it's a unique wine. And we, we get calls now because of Chris, he's such a good song that we're selling shit that other people can't get. Maybe two other restaurants in the Tampa, maybe three restaurants in the Tampa area, including Burns and Rococo. I think maybe Capital Grill can carry this stuff. We get calls on it. And so we get them, we get like maybe two or three bottles in a shipment and we get it like once every six months or something like that. So you don't get it all the time. 
And we have it on the menu, but we always say, oh, we have one bottle left. Uh-uh. We got some in the back. So if you're a juster wants some of this shit, call me. Come on, man. It's, it's you got to have, you know, the, at the end of the day, man, you got to have some fun with this. Yes. You, gotta, we, we, you have to have some fun. You have to relate your policyholder. It's stressful. People, when they come home and their house is damaged and I'm litigating a case because the carrier is not going to settle and I can't just tell the judge to give me a trial date tomorrow, they come home and they're going to look at their damaged roof. They're going to sit there and they're going to stress. And I get these texts all the time. Hey, do you have a good tarping company? Because I go to sleep at night and I'm wondering, are my kids going to be safe if it rains and something happens to the house? We do real things to help real people. That's what keeps me driving. I know I can talk a lot. In fact, someone said uh, my Hollywood stunt double will be Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I yeah. get really excited to do whatever. But in all honesty, I'm passionate about it. And so are you. It's not just a job. It's a career. It's a calling. There's a need for it. And for every one bat, you know, for people to screw it up, fuck it up for everyone else, that gives you and I an opportunity to come and do the right thing. And then people say, thank you. And then they take you to Burns. And then you forget to call your public adjuster to refer you to the case. My bad. But I'm just saying, man, if you want to come to the wine restaurant, I got some shit to fall off the truck. You know, it's like Godfather stuff. Come on. But in all seriousness, you know, this has been real fun. You do a good job. Um, there are people that say they know you. They've never met you. But everyone knows. Like last night. Someone was like, oh, yeah, I know Vince. I'm like, no, you follow his podcast and you see him on social media because he's a social media whore. The best one out there, though, better than me. And, and so I jokingly, uh, jokingly tell that, but I'm like, but you know what? It's because he's making a footprint and educating people. You know, that we do this because we have to realize that people are not going to, they're not going to know what to do when the storm happens. The best evidence of that, at least recently, was Hurricane Michael. I tell people, show them photos where literally there are people who are living in tarps. It looks like a third world country. And there, and guess what? That's a, that was an area where people said, what happens if a cat five hurricane comes in? Are they going to take care of us? Some carriers did. They were forgotten too. The funny thing is that was like, with just a few months after, um, after Puerto Rico got rocked like six months or something like that. And then the, I think they, those people in the panhandle were forgotten. I mean, it right. was nasty. I went over there. Honestly, I love storms because obviously it's great for business, but storms like that is too much. It's too no, much. No, it's mean, brutal. Right. Brutal. In all, yeah. In all honesty, you know, it was sad. Like, I showed people photos. Like, yeah. it was this, you know, like I did <laughs> to bring a little bit of light to the conversation. I was at a site inspection and the carrier is located here in St. Pete. I was here in St. Pete. The defense lawyer was from Pensacola. And their expert was from like Tallahassee. So we all come in, we all come into uh, Bay County and we go to this house and it was referred to me from someone that's been tailgating with my father-in-law for like 35 years. Again, build a word of mouth practice. So my very first case in Bay County didn't come from a public adjuster. It just came from someone who had said, Hey, can you, you know, you know what you're doing, right? So anyways, I'm at this house and I look at their adjuster and, and I'll, I'll send you a photo if you want to post a photo, but literally it looked like a scene out of the Wizard of Oz where the only thing missing was the fucking witch underneath it. Like the house is gone. And I have a letter from the city of Callaway that says the house must be condemned. Like my client's about to get fined because the house is not messed up. And I look at the lawyer and this is my favorite legal argument of all time, man. I look at the lawyer and then I look at her expert, like literally picking up like wood boards to see where the bedroom used to be. Like they're going through like a, like a bomb got dropped off. 
I look at her, I look back at my witness and their witness, look at her. And I said, are you fucking kidding me? And she looked at me and she's like, yeah, this is probably pretty bad. I said, the roof is in the fucking tree. There's a, I have a photo of a roof in a tree. Next day, tender policy limits. Bam. Yeah. I mean, so that's the thing that, but it shouldn't have to get that far. I mean, so it's the thing is, and it, it's just really sad. So what's going to happen is this, man, there hasn't been, I mean, what was it? Andrew hit Miami 92. And then in the summer of 04, 05, I know the state got was a lot. Yeah. They got rocked. But, and then, oh, and then, and then we had Wilma Katrina in 05. So here's the deal for most people. And it's not all doom and gloom, but for most people, Something at some point, if you own a property, living in Florida, something is going to happen to it. If it wasn't going to be that way, then the banks wouldn't require us to have homeowners insurance. So because we know it's not a matter of if something happens to you, Vince, it's when. And when it happens, you need to have the peace of mind that there's guys like you, Vince, and guys like me that know what we're doing to come in and help out. And that's what keeps me doing this every day. And that's why I do it statewide. And that's one of the reasons I hired people in Miami because I wanted to help people who speak Spanish. And I, again, I, my attorneys go to Cuban. I love travel. You and I both been to South America. We're very uh, well-versed in, in you know, other countries and stuff. But you know what? I can't afford on my conscience to know for a fact that there are people who maybe English isn't their first language and the insurance companies know that. And guess what? Those claims are getting denied. They can't even read the letter, man. And you know what? Again, patterns depending on what your last name is or depending on how old you are, shouldn't that shouldn't affect whether your claim is approved or denied. But interestingly enough, I had my own claim with, um, well, you mentioned the red elephant. I had my own claim. And interestingly enough, a small water loss, I submitted it. I got paid within a week. Here, here's, you know, a couple thousand dollars. And I'm like, why, why did I get paid in a week? Why, why, did, why didn't someone else get paid? You know, well, they knew, they knew. They know. So we have to help people. That's it, man. That's what it's all about. And then if we help enough people, we can go drink some nice wine. There you go. All right. I'm going to leave it at that. Jim, thank you so much for coming on. As always, you are a rock star. A rocket ship is what you are. I knew I'd get you going. doesn't take much to get you going. Are we still recording? Yeah, but I mean. uh, Well, it's going to be funny. I was going to just say, like, that's why when I called you earlier, I'm like, what are we going to talk about, man? I don't know. I was like, do I need need to study for this? I knew it would be easy for you. I knew out of all my podcast guests, you'd be one of the easiest to have the conversation. Let it flow. Look, we're uh, we're coming up on two hours. Dude, that's awesome. So, um, yeah, man, I really appreciate this. And it's it's been fun. This is why we do what we do. You know, this is our natural element. I mean, I can be in a courtroom, but like this is, you know, this is the. This is how we take something that can be pretty boring and be like, look, we're going to spice it's it up. It's not boring. That's the thing is people think not, it's boring, but it's not boring. Yeah, it's not. But, you know, what's interesting is like, but it's something that's practical. Like you and I do this every day and I have people that call me. I have other lawyers. I have judges are calling me like, hey, I might be able to get a guy and walk him on a murder case or I might be able to have a multi-million dollar personal injury settlement, but I can't fix a roof. I don't know shit when it comes to my own house. Right. I get these calls day in, day out. And so to be able to sit there and say, well, look, I, I don't know shit either, but Vince knows his shit. And Vince will tell me <laughs> so I can fake it and then tell you. Because exactly. what, I, what I say is not evidence. I don't get to get on the stand and testify. Vince does. So I Vince can. better know his shit. And you know what? I know you know your shit because you have that little book behind you. When you're writing books and teaching other people, it means you have to know what you're doing in order to teach other people. 
That's why I love teaching people or at least pretending <laughs> to sound intelligent. Well, you do a good job at that. Pretending. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to close it off. We're going to keep recording, but I'm going to close it off. Jim, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate your time. You are the man. I'm really happy to know you and um, I'll see you on the next one. You got it, man. Have a good weekend and uh, tell the wife I said hello and make sure you come over when you guys want to uh, check the wine restaurant.